and welcome back once again to the TetraCast. This is RPG Sites Weekly Podcast, where we get the site staff together to talk about our favorite genre of video games. As always, I'm your host. My name is Brian Vitale. Uh, we are missing one. We don't know where Adam is. He was up late uh, watching a bunch of Gundam gaming last night, uh, along with a few of us in chat here. And let me go through who did manage to make it on time. We have Josh Torres. Excuse any background noise. If you hear any from me, I need the window open because there's been a really terrible heat wave in California lately, and uh, we're dying out here. We're dying. We have James Galizio. Ditto here. Um, same exact situation. <laughs> and Chowman Wu. Hello. It's, uh, was it, eight degrees over here? Whatever, that's in Fahrenheit. Well, let's trade, let's trade. <laughs> <laughs> the Canadian here confusing us uh, American we don't know what 8 degrees is isn't it like 50 degrees Fahrenheit or something like that the internet can tell us yep 46 degrees that's that's brisk I'd trade I, I am in a desert and it's let's see it's like 70 degrees here I would trade this for 46 so I know that uh, Adam Vitali is the other regular podcast participant who is missing I know that he and a few others were up playing a new Gundam game last night uh, up to ungodly hours I went to bed very early compared to them and he apparently did not set an alarm we'll see if he shows up late he's pulling a chow which is allowed of course uh, but we will we will give him a free pass. We won't tease him for it. That's that's reserved only for uh, the best of us. He wasn't playing a gunning. He was watching me play a gunning game, and then and then like late into the night, it was me, Chow, and Adam. Like had like this weird multi-hour gun of discussion, and then Chow and I went to bed. I don't know if Adam stayed up after that. It was like around two a.m. Pacific, and I, I don't I don't know if like Adam went to bed after we we said sayonara. And Adam's currently in Central Time, so he he was yeah. Probably almost all the sunrise before he went to bed. So we might get a very groggy Adam uh, later in the podcast. I'll, if we see him, we'll, we'll invite him in, but he might just sleep through it. Otherwise, we've got plenty to talk about. It's been a pretty uh, interesting week on the news front, on the RPGs front, and on our site front. Um, so we'll just kind of start out and go through it. Let's start out with some of the features that have gone up on the site in the last week, because some of this will lead to uh, naturally into some of our earliest discussions for the week. Uh, let's get this one out of the way first, because it's from a contributor of the site that doesn't make his um, himself available for the podcast. And that is Nathan Lee was able to put up a review for the switch port of 13 Sentinels Aegis Rim. Now, if you've been listening to this podcast or following this site for a while, you do know that back in 2020, when this released in English for the first time, this was a game that several of us thought very highly of. It performed very well at the end of the year uh, awards for 2020. Uh, I took a, I had a personal takeaway from that year and immediately played it early 2021 and thought similarly. And spoiler alert, Nathan also thought very highly of the game. It did get an illustrious RPG site, 10 out of 10 for the site. Uh, if you've not played 13 Sentinels, now you should uh, you should play it. Um, there's some interesting new balance on the Switch version. No, Missile Rain did not cause his Switch to catch fire. But just a very good game, a game that we want to recommend whenever we get the chance. Yeah, so. I think that was the the interesting thing. I was talking to Nathan about that as he was uh, playing through his review copy of the Switch version, saying, oh, there's actually, like, whether it's for, like, Switch technical limitations or the actually, like, you know, whatever the reason is to, like, rebalance it. Like, there's a, you know, for people who don't know, there's, like, two modes of this game. There's, like, a, like a, a remembrance mode, which is, like... Like a more like a visual novel, interactive visual novel mode where you're cycling between different characters and playing out their stories. And then there's a destruction mode, which is more like the real time strategy mode 
um, that a lot of people that played the original release on PlayStation systems, you know, there was a lot of very cheesy strategies, like especially most infamously, it was like spamming sentry guns. While in this version, like sentry guns have been nerfed and like, and then there's been other things about this uh, re-release that have been like tweaked as well. And like, we didn't know there was actually going to get like a balance pass at all. They never communicated that. We all, all we was like, oh, this this really fantastic game is com- coming to the Switch, and that's cool. And we kind of all expected it to be, you know, the same product. But this seems to be like uh, a somewhat different beast on that. And if you wanted more variety in the gameplay and like being like pushed to like adopt other strategies and like think about, uh, you know, uh, encounters in a new way, um, that that's an interesting angle from it. Uh, and also, you know, uh, there's there's been like some uh, tweaks to like you know freshen up like you know the translation because there was like a, a very very few errors in the original, but they kind of cleaned that up a little from um, what Nathan was saying. And like you know, he he did share footage that I think he'll share on social media when it's like nearer to its launch, where most like you know infamously also on the PlayStation systems as uh, Brian was talking about is there's this skill called Missile Rain, and like it basically plops down like a whole bunch of like circles on the map in that real-time strategy mode just like an absolute oh like gigantic amount and then you can pop like as many as you can on the screen you can like you it would definitely push the playstation systems even the ps5 like down to like really 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 low frame rates on base ps4 it's like single digit frame rates and somehow the switch like vanilla air you know optimized it really well and it didn't like set the system on fire and like it still ran at like not not like at the at a perfect frame rate, but like it looks significantly better than the PlayStation base PlayStation Four performance. Um, and reminded me of the uh, performance I saw when I originally played the game on PS4 Pro. So that's about yeah. that ballpark, I'd say. Yeah, that's that's pretty amazing. <laughs> I have a Sorry, question for you guys for this yeah. game. Um, when I was looking at CD Japan, they were selling the, like the import of this game with English audio. Is it like was it? Is the Japanese audio like cut out for some some reason? No, no, it's dual no. audio. I, I, yeah, it's dual I, audio. I, I'm pretty sure did they did they make it so like you have to download the Japanese voice pack? Or I don't think so. I think it just might be because the original game was pretty small on uh, PlayStation. I'm pretty sure what the case is is that since it's a worldwide release this time, it's um they just have like one SKU for the entire world. That makes sense to me. Yeah, but it should have dual audio, no problem. So if you want to go. Japanese voice acting, you're good to go. If I ever I pick up the Switch version and replay it, I will probably do the dub just because I played the original version with a uh, sub. Yeah, I heard that the, the dub's really good. Like I've, I played, I played it uh, a good fair bit of it on the English dub. That English dub is really good. Usually, I would play both. Like first time, I will play both audios, and whatever audio I prefer, I'll do that the third playthrough. It's n- in this world we live in. It's like. You know, dubs and subs, you know, sometimes they're equal, you know, but, you know. Sometimes they're not. Sometimes they're not. Um, a lot of times I play it, you know, they're usually equal. And it's like, it's not yeah. always the case, like, back in the day where it's like the Japanese dubs is always better. It's like, no, that's not how it goes. It's yeah, my general opinion as someone who watches mostly dubs is that mm-hmm. I feel like English voice direction has gotten a lot better in general. So now yes. whenever I dislike a dub, it's usually because of, of a particular actor rather than just like a game itself having a bad dub. It's more of this character is an actor I don't like rather mm. than just saying, I don't like this dub of this game. Sometimes, you know, obviously if there's several actors I don't like, I'll just generalize that and say, but for, for I guess to stay on topic, I played 
13 Sentinels with the English dub. And I thought it had, I can't, I can't point out a bad actor that I didn't like. I only just point out characters that I didn't like, which might maybe is partially attributed to their actor. I don't know. I would have to play it in Japanese to see if I think any better of uh, Megumi. Sorry. Sorry, Megumi fans. <laughs> Uh-oh. <laughs> but yep, that's up on the site. And obviously, we also have uh, the original review for the PlayStation 4 version up as well. Play it on Switch if you haven't or, you know, or don't wait for the PC version. I do know that Adam kind of goofed. He tweeted out from the uh, site account the April releases. Oh, uh, yeah, that's right. Uh... And he, he accidentally put PC instead of Switch, mm-hmm. which is fine because he he manages a list of, of 100 games releasing. And, oh, he put the wrong. He just t- copy pasted from the wrong line or whatever. It happens. But still... Sorry to give anyone who follows our Twitter account false hope because uh, this game is not on PC and is not announced for PC at this time. But yeah, you, Switch, definitely heard, you, you definitely heard a lot like the like the the shattering of like several hundreds, if not thousands, of hearts that day. It's okay uh, if if we all know that if PC players want to play it, there is a way now. Yeah, I don't know that, but uh, Google it. Switch emulation, Switch emulation exists. All right, the other major review that went up on the site, which we will maybe talk about at length we'll see how the discussion goes is the uh upcoming anticipated release well not the upcoming the anticipated release of chrono cross the radical dreamers edition so as we record this this game released just a couple days ago we're uh, about a week past when the review embargo dropped and cullen black released the review where he looked at the switch version of the game obviously it also did release on pc PlayStation 4 and Xbox. And Cullen's review, as someone who is a big fan of the game, talked about how he was really, really happy that the game is more is available now, really enjoyed his time with it, but did specify a good section of his review talking about the performance <sighs> issues that he had with Switch. And then as we reviewed the game, as we shared the review on our social channels, etc., made sure to call that out because it was a significant you know, impact to his enjoyment. Which led to a bunch of discussion about, is this just the Switch version? Is this, you know, something inherent to the game? And that has been kind of an evolving discussion over the last couple of days as reviews that have looked at various outlets, or sorry, various platforms and various uh, versions of the game have kind of come to understand the deficiencies of the Chrono Cross remaster from a performance standpoint. This has been something that has been a little bit of a powder keg, at least from my perspective, as someone who has been interested in this game. I've mentioned previous podcasts wanting to play it. I literally asked just before this, like, should I buy this on Steam? It's not that expensive. It's a nice $20 price, but uh, I was told maybe I should wait. I don't know if people here have been following specifically the issues that have been had, other than just performance bad, port not good. Or we move on. Before we move, a special guest has arrived, and uh, uh, the, the the chow of the week. Oh. Let's say, uh, hi Adam. Oh, hello. How are you? Sleepy. Did you dream of Gundams? <laughs> what? <laughs> Did you dream of Gundams? No. Oh man. You know, I had a dream uh-huh. when I was watching. Was a Daigo talking, and somehow I dreamed that I own a casino and I was trying to host a tournament of fighting game players, and I went broke or something. That's so sick, actually. <laughs> it's a good trick. That, 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 that is sick, but like, is this relevant? That that would make sense, though. It's like, as we all know, as people that are in the FGC, like tournament organizers do not make any money. Yeah, that, the, the, that's that, a that, terrible that's, business decision. It's uh, that that's been a, a really hot, hot, hot topic in uh, FGC lately. But that's you know irrelevant to the current discussion. The the Chrono Cross unfortunately doesn't cover the FGC and all that. Adam, what are but, your thoughts on Chrono Cross? Just throwing you in the deep end. I'm what not else? like I I don't love it or hate it. I think it's interesting. 
Uh, I remember that I like that the game seems to, I don't know, this is kind of vague, but the game seems to reward just kind of like exploring, talking to NPCs, just kind of trying things. It's not like a linear, you know, go here, do this, you know, go through this dungeon type of game. It's it's a little bit more open-ended. Um, not like open world, but just, you know, it just kind of has this flow to it that I appreciate. Yeah, it's, it's like it's like you're a very free spirit, uh, mm-hmm. I'd say, like, you know, when I think about that game. And, you know, I, I know Child wants to chime in, but like, it, because there are definitely lingering sentiments, you know, this many years on about how Chrono Cross, you know, was supposedly this follow of the Chrono Trigger, but people had a different idea of like what they wanted the Chrono Trigger follow up to be. And there's like, you know, that whole, the, you know, it's been this many years later. It is what it is. I think talking about like the state of the re release is probably the valuable part here because, you know, people have kind of made up in their minds whether they're going to pick up this re release or not, especially this far in. And people know. The state of this re-release um i guess i'll kick it off and say this is kind of one of the most disgraceful like re-releases that we've seen from square enix like definitely lately it's 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 really sad but uh, uh, the state of this re-release my, at the my, moment. my take with chrome crosses it was never a great game to begin with and there was just this nostalgia failure that people treat it as like it was the greatest game of all time and after the game's out, people know it's trash. Sorry, guys. <laughs> so, so, so uh, first off, we said we were just going to talk about the remaster. Second, I've been playing. Did we it. say this that? Is my first time. Well, that's what uh, Josh. I mean, yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, yeah. I'm just saying, like, you know, the the like lingering sentiments of Chrono Cross are what they are. However, many decades later we are from a separated from PS1 re-release, and I was thinking, like, like to kick it off at the at the very least, you know, we should talk about the the hot topic around this radical dreamers edition which is the performance across every platform on this on this game so far has been not great oh yeah, yeah. and yeah i can confirm cuz i got the xbox version it also has some pretty terrible frame drops and and just at the time of this recording uh <laughs> you know the, there's a digital foundry video that got that released you know several hours ago that really Put into set into stone and confirmed a lot of like what people were already thinking of, but I haven't played the PS1 release in quite a while. And like they put it side by side, and there are definitely moments where the PS1 version runs better than the remaster. And it's like, what's going on? You know, it's is is that the case even um, with the original graphic settings? So the so the here's the one caveat with this is it's. It runs like the re-release runs worse with the new graphical settings, but it's um on the original one, it's about on par, like generally. But you know, the, you're still just like that's like the bare minimum, right? It's like, oh, okay, thank God it runs just as good as the PS1 version on the original settings. Like, and you would think I would think, you know, modern expectations would say, hey, I kind of wish this was like a little bit better. You know, especially if like you're charging this much, like you're only you're only charging twenty dollars, but at this point, it feels like you're you're paying twenty dollars for the re- like the actual Radical Dreamers content itself because that's never been officially localized, and that's cool. That's in this package, but at that price point, it it almost feels like hey, you're paying twenty dollars for Radical Dreamers, and then Chrono Cross just happens to be on on there. It's like it's a bare minimum, like bare minimum is a little to me is being like a little bit gratuitous. But it's like it it runs. The executable does run. You can play the video game. 
you know, <laughs> just great. Uh, awesome. I can play the video game no matter what state it's in. You could also play yeah. it if you still have your uh, PS3 hooked up. I, don't I PS3. well, the, here's the thing, right? Like, there's been reports on the PS3 because there's like you know the Chrono Trigger, Chrono Cross came out as PS1 classics on the PS3, but now there are reports saying, like, you know, on on social media, that like you know how in the on the PlayStation Three, uh, you can check like the start and the expiration date of like your apps on it. Apparently, I don't know how recent this change was. I don't know if this was like no one knew until like obviously now when Chrono Cross is back in the um, mindshare again. Of I guess there, there's a new expiration date on that app. It's like December thirty first, nineteen sixty nine. So people can't even like play the PS one classic at the moment on the PlayStation well, three. Is that how well, it is? Well, I, one thing I will say is that this is very clearly a bug because uh, it seems to be like a database issue because that specific date that got reset to is like a very like common uh, date, like a kind of default date for uh, Unix file systems, which the PS3 is based off of BSD. Uh, same thing with the Vita. Um, Have they this, fixed this? Have this that, occurs anyone, with data that should be a timestamp, but is either empty or contains zero. Yeah, so, but yeah. has anyone confirmed that like it's been fixed? Uh, no, since... no, no, no. So but that's just, the, that's yeah. the main thing. Like it, like no matter what the issue is, it's like I, okay, like it, it confirms that you know it, it wasn't deliberate. That'd be terrible. If it was if it was deliberate, then like that's terrible. But the issue still stands. Of like, no, hey, what if I already have this? Like, what if I already own this on like you know an older system and like I just want to play that? That's still bad that I can't actually do that. You know. Like reason still stands. I still cannot play like something I already paid for because there's a, you know whatever happened in behind the scenes, I cannot do that. And like the issue that and then as far as I know, this thing this still has not been fixed. Is like that's terrible. That's unacceptable. I was seeing there's no way to access the old PlayStation Store right on web. No, not on web anymore. Which is a damn so. shame because it's like. I'm glad that I bought a couple of uh, PS1 games when you still had like access to that store. Mm -hmm. But, but uh, yeah. yeah, I'll be honest. I'm, I'm having trouble like keeping track of like the store was shutting down. I remember we had this big discussion on about a year ago, and people were grabbing different games. And like the Wii Shop was, you know, when, whenever those like isn't it coming up that on the DSi and 3DS you can't add money coming up in May, things like that. Yeah, I, 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 it's just unfortunate that we have like this time. We're in like living in this weird, like digital age, but these things have expiration dates on them. How long will you be able to grab that digital version of Chrono Cross on as, as a PS1 classic, or as eventually at some point it'll just be? Yeah, and who knows when they'll actually let you play it to after you grab it? How long till they actually let you access it? You know, mm -hmm. until they fix that whatever Unix bug. So it's just it's just a, a lot of barriers, and then and then now you're just kind of faced with like at, at the moment. I'm not gonna pick up this Radical Dreamers edition until the state of like the PC version, or like really any version, like is receives patches to like at least run, you know, a little bit better because the the footage that we've seen and you know as as James has experienced just it like the most egregious part about this is like you would expect you'd expect like, at least the new graphics to run on par with the PlayStation One version, bare minimum, bare minimum, mm -hmm. like at least make it run as good as like the original release and for some reason it's like okay well can't do that and that that's you know square enix decided to like outsource this and not not to just like say 
you know, they didn't try their best, but this is they should have had more time to work on this. They should have had it just feels like this this project didn't get the resources that it needs. And Square Enix is very inconsistent about this when it comes to which studios decide to outsource their IPs to some great, uh, like great like gold treatment like Legend of Mana. But then and, there's like and Saga Frontier remastered. Yeah. It's but then like, like but then some of like the romancing sagas like uh, have their own issues as well. Well, the romancing saga issues is more specific platforms. Uh, there are versions that are like definitely good. I think the issues of romancing saga are down to the fact that they were like full proper remakes, and uh, they also were supporting so many different platforms, including mobile, that some issues fell with, uh, through the cracks for uh, specific platforms. Yeah, it's not to say it's not to say it's not to say that like the the, the those are like compar- comparable to like what they did to Chrono Cross because I still think Chrono Cross is probably like near damn bottom of the barrel of like their re-release efforts compared to like all the other ones that, that they've done recently. Um, yeah, and it just sucks, you know, because you you would you would want the you because Square Enix has such like a like a really really awesome history of like these you know some people like them some people don't but i think regardless they they deserve better to like be shown and how like modern presentation wise you know how you decide to like because for some people this could be the first time they play this game you know like me yep, it's my first time yep yep and, and, and it's the, like and the, and this the is how it is, is the sad thing is though is that even with the issues with this port it's still way more than most companies do for trying to keep their uh like older titles like something instead of nothing yeah it's like i think just like a few weeks ago we were even talking about how like where recently has been doing a really good job of making sure that their older titles are preserved like i think i think i think the initiative is good but the thing about square (laughs) is that it's just so up and down because yeah. like not they have like inconsistent i guess i don't know like operations when it comes to which games will be console exclusive then pc ex- then pc storefront exclusive or worldwide release on multiple platforms at once like this one was when they do like have like these remasters they just kind of we talk about I think Adam said like Square Enix doesn't actually develop most of their games. We talk about Claytech Works making Brave the Default 2 and Art Dink making Triangle Strategy and whoever else making this and making that. And it's just like what it, what it means is that for any given release, whether it's a new product or even like a remaster or port, it just seems like it's a grab bag about like where you'll be able to play it, when you'll be able to play it, what quality it'll have once you are able to play it. Because sometimes you end up with something like Triangle Strategy and Art Dink where it's like that ended up seeming like a pretty good match even though at the caveat of being switch exclusive and based on the history of the other hd games hd 2d games we anticipate that it'll come on pc but that's not announced and then you have uh games like bravely default 2 where people didn't really enjoy the clay tech works like art style and then you have like the the epic store specific stuff for final fantasy 7 remake and for what neo the world ends with you and then you get stuff uh, like this where it's like, oh, you can play it wherever you want, but it has performance yeah, issues uh, everywhere. It's like, it's, yeah, it's not like it's like the actual like work put into it at some points are like real good. Like the new like mod like 3D models for the characters that graphical update, like they they're pretty good. Like I like them. The it's radical just, dreamers translation's really good. Yeah, that's what I hear too. And 
that's just it's it's so it's so soul crushing. So yeah, like if for people who really want that, like a detailed breakdown, I recommend that Digital Foundry video uh, that they put over Chrono Cross. They go into like the you know nitty gritty of what Digital Foundry does of like showing like the the fidelity of the AI upscaling uh, they used for this and just how its implementation you know not it makes it way more blurry than it actually should be and so on and so forth. You know if you're really interested. Yeah, yeah, that's the only package I would care for. I would just buy it for the Radical Dreamers, but the thing is, they don't sell it separately, so that's also a problem. Have you finished the Radical Dreamers apart yet, uh, James? Yes. Okay, so talk about it. Um, it's really interesting. Um, it's not fair to really call it a visual novel because it's not. Mm-hmm. It's like a text adventure, like yeah. Uh, um, it's very interesting. It's not too long. It's like two hours, maybe three or four, if you do the side uh, routes, which unlock after you finish the main story. Uh, which again, it's a it's it's a nice. Uh, I, I always forget. So, like, is this for people who are playing Chrono Cross for the first time? But like, do you think they should play this before or after? Or obviously, you haven't like finished Chrono Cross itself. Oh, like, do you think uh, it should well, be play, play it first? Okay. Uh, play it first because um, obviously it came first. And also, you get it's just really fascinating to see where some of the ideas for Chrono Cross like kind of started with. And it, the tone of Radical Dreamers, I feel like having played it first has already kind of like primed me for uh, Chrono Cross in a way because I've been enjoying my time of Chrono Cross so far. I'm really early on, but it's like it, it's funny. People always talk about Xenogears for being like the weird PS1 title with some really, really interesting themes. But it's like from the very beginning, it's like while Chrono Trigger was a story of like that had time travel in it, it's like Chrono Cross, like from the very beginning, has this interesting idea of like, man. How different would would uh, your life be if just one little thing had changed? How different would this like village be if one little thing changed? And it's like you see like the butterfly ripple effects of like all these like put on paper small changes and how it can impact like like it can ripple out and impact the entire world. And it's really fascinating so far. So the time travel or the uh, or the timeline aesthetic is a bit more uh, integrated into the the narrative and themes of Chrono Cross. Yes. Because Chrono Trigger, it's been a while since I played it. I played it uh, first for the first time when the DS version came out. And it's like, yes, it, it has like, what, like five different time periods that you go to. And it's more but like, it doesn't do anything interesting with it. That's the thing. Yeah. It's like, it's like Chrono Trigger is a great game. Obviously that goes without saying, like it's one of the best uh, RPGs that Square Enix has done. But thematically there's not really that much there and i feel like i'm enjoying chrono cross because there's like from the word go there's a very strong theme to it and i kind of i kind of dig that um dig that chrono Chrono trigger does the really neat thing with uh with robo taking advantage (laughs) of the fact that he's a robot and doesn't have a lifespan that's the one thing that having been like over a decade removed from playing it that, that i still remember that part of the game being uh i don't know pretty inspired but we're not here to talk about Chrono Trigger. We're here to talk about the Radical Dreamers edition. So I am, if you tell me that the Radical Dreamers is like three or four hours long, I'm surprised that Chow is sitting here saying that that's what he would buy the game for. Because I He's... never had a good experience with Chrono Cross. I just don't like the battle system. And then I didn't like how there's so many like characters in this game that 
none of them really contribute to the overall story. The only people that are important is basically Surge, Lynx, uh, Kid, and Harley. I think that's about it. Can't think of like it's like why do we have a game with so many characters? It's just like <laughs> I. So I thought that was weird too, but like now that I'm actually started playing the game, I understand why it is the way it is. Because of, again, like the game, the whole game's about all of those like little things that can change based off of like just singular decisions. And it's like, okay, yeah, these characters aren't major, but it's like based off what you do, there's like a chance that they'll just like join your party. And it's like, it's not meant to be like a map, they're not meant to be massive parts of the story. They're just like, it's like Star Ocean 2 and Swickedin, uh, Chow, where you just get a shitload of like characters in the game and not all, all, everyone's going to be important. But, you know, you're getting more more content for your book. Well, it's almost, it's yeah. almost the, way, the way that James is describing it. I know James is also a first time player and he's uh, a handful of hours in the the characters that you get aren't really like we we kind of put together party members and characters as being one-to-one when they're really not several games like more strategy focused games you know your your units that you use in battle are just that they're units they're like a an array of stats maybe a theme or a class or, or a set of abilities where here they're that they're less so maybe characters but more almost outcomes of the time travel theming or not time travel, but like the, like it's, it's not explicitly time travel, right? It's more like an alternate dimension. Yeah. Where, where like, surges, uh, wasn't, you know, it didn't exist. It's, uh, it's he less drowned. about time he travel and more about not. time uh, convergence or something. And then the characters you get are more kind of proxies for delivering the narrative of how outcomes can shift rather than yeah. being this character has this, engrossing backstory and this theme and this personality and you want to be sympathetic or asympathetic to them uh so i think that's okay on paper but i've also not played uh speak it in i have played star ocean too but that one's kind of on a different level chrono cross game itself it, uh, i agree with adam uh that it is to me it's more interesting than good but it uh, i respect it uh, because it was very ambitious for its time period it was uh, definitely one of those like ps1 technical show pieces that's like dang like video games can tell, tell tell this kind of story and like portray the butterfly effect like in this kind of manner um it's really really cool stuff for its time well during that time square just loves pushing the game so limits they love to show off their cgi that's yeah they, 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 that was definitely the time where you know that that's how square soft uh you know established their like that was their footprint in that space of like check out all the cool technology that we can have that we're pushing they were, they were always very technological technologically driven and focused like and, and and in some ways that's how like you know fa- final fantasy thrives is like the new mainline final fantasy always has to showcase technology like uh, the state of like how video game development is evolving and you know that that definitely uh they used to have ips that would like push that boundary too well squaresoft was always like look at the shit we can do and then no one for yeah. a while no one could match them yeah but yeah i mean Cro- chrono cross hopefully you know, hopefully they, something can happen and patches or fan communities can come together and hopefully make this a, a better package that feels good to buy <laughs> and revisit. Well, I would I, like to revisit I'm currently at the point game. where April, as I've kind of mentioned in previous podcasts, is like my um my my backlog month. And I do want to get to Chrono, Chrono Cross is like the one April release that I want to play. So it's like, all right, I'll just work on my backlog for the first half of the month, which I have been doing. And then maybe uh, maybe it'll get a couple patches like 
I don't know if this is really related at all because the developer is different. But like when Chrono Trigger released on PC, it released in an arguably even worse state. And I remember yeah. that was before that was when like the idea of these these classic JRPGs coming to PC on Steam was not as kind of a given or a given is not the right word. It was it was it was really rare to see that headline Chrono Triggers coming to Steam. It, it was it was a time period, even though it wasn't that long ago, where that was kind of like a an eye opening headline. And then it was really, really like deflating when people realized how kind of shoddy it was it was basically like ripped assets from the mobile port etc cetera, etc cetera. and then they Not like that long we- ago wasn't that like 2015 like seven years ago well i meant like yeah Probably seven years speaking. ago is yeah seven years ago it's like not that long ago i guess it depends on how old you are <laughs> here chrono trigger steam mm-hmm. it wasn't seven it wasn't years that. ago it was 2018. 2018. All right. Oh, Which, no. Yeah, it was five years ago. I, I thought it was like longer ago than that, huh? That's just how that's time that, works. That was, that's that was as, right as foretold by Chrono Cross. Yep. <laughs> Anyways, I was going to say, like, well, there's probably no substantiation for this at all. It's like, well, they, they mostly fixed Chrono Trigger on PC, but that was different developer, only a PC port, obviously, and not another, not a series of consoles that all suffered. It's like, maybe they'll fix this one. My question is, would they ever would fix it if there was no outrage? No. Oh, oh. there you go. <laughs> I, Definitely I, not for Chrono Trigger at the very least. If people didn't like say anything, they would never never touch that again, for sure. Um I, I the you know, I also want to like point out like you know some of the cool things that were put up on the site as supplementary material for the Chrono Cross re-release. You know, like Cullen and Alex tried to piece together how Chrono Cross connects to Trigger, which is uh, still an impossible task this day god godspeed that we're you know trying to well uh, pick up well, on threads on that uh, i one thing i do want to specify there because uh, colon definitely kind of had some gripes with it it's not specifically how they connect because you can explain how they connect apparently it's just they they had to thread the needle of trying to explain how they connect without actually spoiling anything which is a bit uh yeah yeah but i mean like it's still it's still like hard to like <clears throat> like tell someone like you know it's it's not as as straightforward as you would like it to be uh for the most part but just you know it's a it's a cool thing also uh that thank you adam for your work uh on release day of the embargo uh on educating people exactly how the bgm remaster worked in this game because the the messaging for screenings has been very very shoddy and downright wrong (laughs) in certain aspects you just want to give a quick summary of like how um the the remastered ost works in chrono cross yes i guess let me start at the beginning so when they first announced it they just said refined music and even then like when they said refined music they didn't really detail what that meant my assumption now it really shouldn't be assuming they should have been more clear about this from the beginning but my assumption was refined music was just like cleaned up you know like not a rearrangement or an arrangement, not like, you know, new versions, really, just like the original music maybe touched up a bit uh, in terms of quality. But then they started, they released like a video about like these rearranged tracks, not the whole game, I guess, but just like a new track with seven like arranged tracks, like with completely different instrumentation, completely different tones, uh, like a new take on these on this music. And understandably, People were like, oh, I guess this is what the music sounds like in the remaster. And they even said, like, on the tweet in the YouTube video, like, 
listen to this music from Chrono Cross the Radical Dreamers edition. So then it's like, oh, I guess from refined, they meant like arranged music. Okay. And then uh, there was a blog post from Square Enix that said, don't worry, you can switch between the original and refined. And people were like, oh, okay, that makes sense. Good. But then they corrected themselves saying, actually, no, you can't change it. So at that point, it was like, I guess we're stuck with these arranged tracks. But they were that wasn't even correct either. So long story short, what it was is that the game itself, the remastered edition, the, the Radical Dreamers edition, it does have refined music, which really does mean what I initially thought it meant, just like the original music with some equalization and some noise, like compression edits, like just some small changes. You know, I haven't listened to the soundtracks. So I don't know how noticeable it is, but it's meant to just be like touched up. And then the tracks that they put out a YouTube video for and said, like, listen to this new music, that is only found in the main menu of this remaster. So it's like the menu that it's like before you launch into the game, it's like the menu where you decide, do you want to play Chrono Cross or do you want to play Radical Dreamers? So just for the new menu. That's it. When you actually play Chrono Cross, it's pretty much the original tracks. It's the refined music. And then the, I guess the uh, the new, like the rearranged versions that they put out the video for are they're just for the menu and also for like the vinyl that they released. So they really should have from the get go been really more careful with their wording in terms of remastered, refined, rearranged, original music and they just, it was so confusing. And they still haven't said it like outright clearly, which is why I decided to do it for them. Like here, let me explain what this, what, what it actually is. Cause you never did. It was, it, it's honestly kind of baffling how poorly they, like they, it really seems like they had no idea themselves what they, what it was. Now, the yeah. thing about that is if, the, if people think the music is like a way different tonality, than normal then it still kind of stinks that that's what they're greeted on the menu and almost yeah. feels like this should be like a youtube remix like oh this is an interesting new interpretation but to actually have it officially as part of the remaster the first thing you hear on the menu screen is a bit weird i wonder if that's like an artifact of them like thinking like we should re redo the music now nah, we don't have the the budget or the time or the inspiration for this let's just take what we have and put it on the menu i don't know just yeah, a weird outcome good. where I'm trying to I'm trying to like back think backwards about how this came to be this way because it seems very like unplanned almost. I, I guess the last feature uh, worth uh, mentioning uh, Chrono Cross related to that's on the site is Andrea uh, put together uh, you know for an article like some of the tweets that come out from uh, Square Enix's side uh, from uh, the original producer of Chrono Cross Hiromichi Tanaka. You know, they're they're sharing a few notes on like the development of the re-release, how it was very challenging to like get like the actual resources and assets from the original release uh, to work on this because you know a, a lot of game development back there back then didn't preserve um, materials as fervently as they are today. Like they would just like, uh, in some cases, scrap like you know assets after the project was done, and who knows where, like who or what like decided who or decided to preserve that like you know decades later so it's just you know it's a, it's a real neat uh look behind the scenes of like you know just some of the challenges they faced with uh the radical dreamers edition re-release it just it's not a uh unfortunately uh like it's a pretty common thing when it comes to like 
kind of re-releasing old JRPGs such as this game. It's like, oh, well, where do we even start? Where are the where are the assets for this game? <laughs> like how for the ports of so many of the PlayStation One Final Fantasy games, they had to like create them from the PC ports back then because the original console files were lost. So they had yeah. to like recreate it from a port. It's just unfortunate that that's where we end. And then you end up with weird oddities like eight directional movement on Final Fantasy IX. As far as I know, that's still the case for that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And obviously, you know, the like, infamous ones like the Silent Hill uh, re-release and what mm-hmm. happened to that. So just yeah, but good on them for the, doing their best on that end. And it's it's always difficult to try to like try to remember like how did we do it back then? Because <laughs> in so many decades, like what what did we do? Where is 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 the asset for like that bridge like at the basement where we used to work three decades ago? It's on like this old giant eighty megabyte hard drive. Yeah. That... <laughs> Would fit six terabytes nowadays. But yeah, we'll probably let's talk about Chrono Cross Remaster on at least one more podcast as people who are new to it, uh, or maybe I don't know if anyone here who's played it already is planning on revisiting it, especially considering the state that it's in. But I, I do want to kind of like, well, I know that once I get around to playing it, I will be interested in talking about it, and maybe James as well once he's further in. So we'll probably see it again. It's unfortunate that the state that it released in kind of a, a state that it's hard to recommend. Hopefully, in a couple months they'll do what's necessary to put it in a better state but we don't we just have no idea how likely that is because with square enix it always is just kind of a crapshoot so other games that we've been playing this week uh, i guess i'll hand it off to adam because i know that adam has kind of been playing through a a bunch of smaller titles that uh, you don't have to talk about everything you've been playing over the week but i do just think that you've been playing some things that i've been interested in hearing you talk about because i haven't had you haven't had the opportunity to hear you discuss your time with them i know you've played a few yeast games i know you've played the original star ocean one uh so I, i'll just get i'll let you have like a wild card here uh pick a game that you've played in the last week and just share your thoughts on it yeah sure so i've um i'm going th- i'm doing a big move like i'm moving 2000 miles in the coming weeks and so i didn't want to like play anything like some gigantic rpg right now or whatever. I just wanted to play some small things while I had, you know, time before all the move headache comes in. So there are a few smaller titles, you know, shorter titles that I wanted to get to for a while. Um, so I played all four of them. I don't know if I'll talk about all of these, but I played the original Star Ocean. And I uh, I mean the one that's on Super Famicom. It was never officially translated. Um, and then I played three East titles. I played East 4, Mask of the Sun. Which is, if you're not familiar, there's three different versions of the fourth East game. Uh, there's Mask of the Sun for uh, Super Famicom. There's uh, Dawn of East for PC Engine, and then there's the the newest and most canon one is Memories of Salsetta for originally for Vita. And now it's on uh, PS4 and PC. Uh, so I played Mask of the Sun, and then I played East Three Wanderers from East. PC Engine version. There's lots of different versions of that one. And then I played East 5 uh, Kefin Lost Kingdom of Sand. So all these games are pretty short and I think Star Ocean's the longest at around like 20 hours. The East games you can beat in like 10 hours or less. So, you know, I just kind of figured that I'd, I'd stick to games like these for the, for the, for the time being. And um, let me just start with Star Ocean. I, I, I reviewed the uh, the the remaster of the remake 
of the first game a couple years ago when it came out on PlayStation 4 and Switch. And I'm not a big fan of that game. It has some of the uh, elements to Star Ocean that I like. I, I've talked about this on a recent podcast when I played through Star Ocean 5 in terms of the uh, the the item uh, customization, item creation systems, the the personal skills, the the weird crafting systems with like the music and the the the, the uh, talents that are in the game, like the mineral mineralogy and the weird things and like you can do to create new items and almost break the game open. And it's just a really interesting kind of loose freeform sort of item crafting system that not very many games have. That I'm, that I'm kind of fond of, and those are all in the original Star Ocean. Uh, the original Star Ocean, it's kind of it's 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 a pixel art style, and it's 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 pretty much a spiritual successor to Tales of Fantasia, the original, and you can kind of it's it looks more like that. And there's actually points where I think like the pixel art in the original version looks quite a bit better than the uh, than the uh, remake, which was originally a PSP game, because the remake has some like PSP era backgrounds in terms of like 3D models, but they're very simple because they're well. The, the remake and the remaster of the remake have different art styles, right? Well, I'm talking about like the areas, the locations. Ah, okay. um, yeah, character art is different, of course. Man, um, we live in a we live in a time where we have to say like the game, the remake, or the remaster of the remake. Anyway, continue. So yeah, like, but in Star Ocean First Departure, which is the remake of Star Ocean, you have like this new character art, and there's the PSP version art, and then the newest version has uh, art by uh, Katsumi. Yeah, Nami, and it's really good. His character art is for that game, but you know the the game itself, like we're running through the locations, is a PSP game, so it's you know it's just it's pretty simple, it's pretty basic. So there's actually points where the pixel art in the original version actually looks really nice. The original version it has a very different combat system. It's it's it almost reminds me it's it's you don't really move your character in real time. You the the, the battles take place in real time, but all you can basically do is select which enemy you're doing in a you're doing an attack on and then your character will move across the battlefield to the enemy and do the do the attack. So they're like moving around a like a an arena, so to speak, but you don't really have control over where they're going. It it sort of reminds me almost like of a Grandia game without the without like the Grandia like turn bar whatever you call it, but just in terms of how the characters move around the battlefield and that positioning matters. You just don't have a whole lot of control over where they specifically are, other than just by which enemy they're attacking. But it's still. Um, it's interesting. It's the game itself just feels a lot more compact than than First Departure. Everything kind of moves at a quicker clip, and uh, I think it's better for it. And it's it still has the interesting components that the older Star Ocean games were known for. Like you have, there's like something like twelve different characters in the game, but you can only pick eight to be on your team. You know, some of them are mandatory, of course, but uh, depending on what you do in the game in terms of the story, you'll end up with a different party uh with different capabilities and you know it's 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 kind of cool that i i wish you saw more of that but you with modern budgets and, what, and whatnot it's very unlikely to see i mean they, they dropped that in three party right? members i forget three had a three three had a okay. three had a few either ors um four dropped it well four had you could get armat or phase if you did the right things and then five is different um i doubt we'll see it again 
But yeah, it, it's 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 a game the I'm glad Force I played. We'll bring planting characters back. <laughs> I doubt book it. it. But yeah, basically, I I think I prefer the original Star Ocean over First Departure, just because it's a little bit less. Uh, it's a little bit quicker, a little bit more compact. Things move at a faster pace, and it just it it doesn't feel so bloated. I mean, not that First Departure is like this gigantic game, but it just it just kind of slows everything down a bit. And also, I just think it's interesting that it's just kind of it makes the first Star Ocean more unique, whereas First Departure basically is just Star Ocean One in the in the disguise of Star Ocean Two. Yeah, I um, wonder. Like, I've only played First Departure. I haven't played the original Super Famicom. Is it Super Famicom? Super Famicom. Yeah. So I've never played that, but like the way you're describing it, and I kind of, I kind of did feel it when I played First Departure followed by Second Evolution. Like First Departure feels like it was too little butter on too much bread or whatever the saying goes like where it's like yeah we're just gonna we're gonna put this in the vein of star ocean 2 people like that one right but then like the story is kind of threadbare the amount of locations and characters you get is is just kind there's of there's a lot of scope yeah a lot of like, I, there's like there's like five cities know. in the game like and the like the, the main like crater area where that one guy turns to stone or like early in the game uh the first you, you, dungeon in the game is this mount mediax i think um and you end up going up and down that mountain. Like, I think you're, it's mandatory to go up and down that mountain like four times. And if you do like some of the optional stuff, like if you're in, if you uh, recruit the, the Felpool girl, whose name I forget, like Parisi, uh, you have to do this little side quest. Where you have to go up and down the mountain like two more times. And then if you do other stuff, you have to like go up and down that mountain again. It's just kind of, there's a lot of backtracking um, in that game. Uh, and it's, it's you know maybe it's just of the era but there's you know I, one thing that's also interesting to point out first departure has like a more traditional like world map you know, like the classic jrpg world map where you uh have like your city areas and your some dungeon areas but everything else is just connected by like a world map right um the original game doesn't have that it's instead more of a like connected field areas so okay it's 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 kind of interesting they're like paths it's really easy to get sort of lost in these paths and there there is a map in the game but it's very uh very very simple and basic and almost not very worth uh, not very useful but anyways it was just kind of an interesting experience just to see a different take on the original game so now you are the star ocean expert are you slated (laughs) are you slated to review divine force if i'm available i probably will like assign myself for it I haven't reviewed anything yet this year, you know. So I, I played every other Star Ocean, including like like I said uh, a few podcasts ago. I played the Game Boy Color version game, uh, Blue Sphere. So, anyways, the other games I played were three different East titles. So I played all the other East titles, and these are the the last three I needed to get to. Um, and so they're I'm all interested very in different. Hearing- I'm interested in hearing about East 5 because that is the one because obviously East is a series where there's canon and non-canon entries of like the different parts of the the different games that are supposed to like cover the same story content in a weird way, except for East 5. So East 5 mm-hmm. is the one that I'm most interested in, in hearing about because that's like the, yeah. I don't know, the gap. It's, it's, it's like East, East 4 has been remade, like I said, uh, Couple, well, it had two different versions, and then it was remade. And then East 3, Wanderers from East, has its remake in Oath of Falgana, which is the same story, completely different gameplay, but same. Which is great. You know, story, right. 
Odin, yeah, Odin Felgana is one of the best. It's, it's extremely good. So East 5 has never been, it's been ported, but it hasn't been remade. So it has East been remade 5, for a title. Title remade it for the PS2. Yeah, I was going to say the PS2 version is like completely different. It's like 3 Oh, I thought remade. it was more similar. Oh, no, like the reason why, um, so uh, when we were in the staff chat last night for people listening, I was uh, talking about how I'm split between wanting to play the PS2 version of East 5 or just waiting for inevitable remake because um, the PS2 version of uh, East 5 has a kind of uh, not quite, but similar to like uh, Ark of Napishtim uh, combat system. So is the PS2, is the PS2 version of East 5 like I played the PS2 version of East 6, which is like a weird Konami joint, which had like the 3D models. Is this like similar to that? No, no. Oh, good. That's, that's what I was thinking. It was like, uh, was it was like E6 on uh, PS2. These are uh, remaded by Taito, and uh, was it? I think the only one I beat from their remake collection was uh, E3. Uh, that one was actually like decent. Uh, they changed like how Adel moves in in that one to have like sort of like a combo, even though they still kept the horizontal 2D scrolling combat. But now he actually has like a combo, and it actually is much easier now. Instead, of like the old one, where you don't really have control of your hitbox. But you played Anyways, the original East Five. I, I played the original East Five because it's the version that has a fan translation, and so this is Super Nintendo or Super Famicom, and it's it's weird. It's definitely like people say it's the black sheep of the series, and it's very evident why. It feels kind of like a very light Zelda-like mixed with some East flair. In that you're moving, you know, it all around on like a 2D, you know, plane, but rather than using the bump system that many of the previous games used, um, you do have, there's a button to swing your sword and a button to raise your shield, and so you actually have to move around and like make sure enemies are close enough to you but not touching you because you're not trying to bump into them, uh, and then swing your sword at them. But so it's not it's Zelda like in that some of the dungeons have some like mm, sort of puzzly, you know, element to them. It's not Zelda like in that you get any other like items at all, really, um, like a Zelda game you would expect. But it's it kind of has just like that sort of structure to it in some regard. It is the the original game is especially compared to the other East titles very easy. So I'm not surprised that they re-released this version with an expert version, which is basically, as far as I understand it, the same game, just like balanced to be more difficult. Because the original game is definitely like one of the easiest ones. Uh, just random like reason why. You can buy health potions in this game. In most East games of like this age and this era, you could buy like one health herb to give you like one heal before you'd have to like go back to some healing point. In this game, you can buy 10 healing potions and more like super heal potions. So you, you get you can you can basically stock up on these really cheap healing items. And I did because there's no reason not to. And then like during any boss fight, literally I'm just, just like walking right into their health, their hitboxes, just swinging my sword because who cares that I get hit a little? I, I have like 10 healing potions. I might use maybe one or probably one maybe two and i have 10 it's it's it, it, i like the balance is very weird like you it, it makes it very easy i did actually kind of like the story of east five it's about it's called captain captain lost kingdom of sand it's literally about like this kingdom like as the title says outright that disappeared 
you know, 500 years ago and is now just a bunch of sand. And then there's this sort of like dimension shifting, time warping element in the game. And uh, there are a lot of NPCs uh, in the game. There's a lot of different characters that are kind of playing roles in the game. Uh, unlike, you know, something like Oath and Felgana, where it's just, you know, a kind of handful of characters. But I actually thought it was kind of interesting and kind of fun, uh, some of the story elements in the game. So it'd be it'll be interesting to see if this game does ever get like a modern remake, uh, which I know, I don't know if, I don't know if Falcom has teased that at all. If her people just are sort of just speculating, well, they remade three, they remade four, maybe they'll remake five again. Um, but if it ever does, it'll be, I'm actually kind of curious to see that now that I played five. Um, the other, the other East games, I played Wanderers from East, which is the side scrolling one. It's the only side scrolling one. Uh, I played the PC engine version, which, wasn't very hard. And I know some versions of Wanderers from East are very hard. I think maybe the Super Famicom version is. I played the Super Nintendo version. I gave yeah. up because I couldn't freaking kill the second last boss. Everything he does <laughs> is like one shot to you. It's yes. like, even with a safe state, it took three hours to kill him, I swear to God. Wanderers from East, uh, it's the side-scroller game. Uh, like you sort of mentioned, the, the remake of it, or the newest version of it, uh, has like you can do maybe combos this game the version i played there really are no combos you can like swing your sword you can duck and swing your sword or you can like point upwards and swing your sword and that's about it um so it's a very simple sort of side scrolling game and uh i only really struggled on the last boss but the rest was doable and you know it's it, it's one of the shorter all all these east games are pretty short but this one is especially short i beat it in one sitting which is about like six or seven hours and um I don't know. It's it's okay. <laughs> it was it was a fun change of pace, short and sweet. You know, something different. No other East game is like it. Uh, it looked nice. I played the PC Engine version, which you know it doesn't it, it doesn't maybe have like the same PC Engine flares like Donna Beast does, which was actually like made for the PC Engine, where this was just a port. But um, you know, it was a pretty. It's a pretty. You know, it it, it looks nice. And then Mask of the Sun is. Probably the least popular of the East Fours. It's kind of that's kind of a weird way to put it, but uh, it's it's a little bit janky. It, it kind of feels like it's not very smooth um, compared to Dawn of East or other games like in its in its that, that are like that are like it. And um, but I thought it was fine. <laughs> so do you think? I don't know if like the, what the, what are the current rumors for the E series? Do we think the next one's East Ten, or do we think like one of these will get a, a remake or like an English an official English version of East Five? I, I I I don't know what they've said specifically compared to like just what people are speculating out of nothing. Obviously, one of the possibilities is sure it's East Ten, it's brand new, or that they'll remake a game because they've done that many times. Uh, I believe if, I don't have this in front of me, so. Don't take this at face value, but I believe Kondo has said something like they want to do something different in terms of its structure or its styling. So it might not be like a party game, party based East like the, the like the, the the previous few, or they're going to do something different. Because um, eight and nine are of course very similar games. The structure is a little bit different, but otherwise they're they operate very similarly, and they're based off of the sort of foundation that uh, Seven had and Salsetta had. Uh, two in terms of this party-based structure, so I 
I believe he said something like they're going to try uh, something uh, a little so different. I, 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 I know what they're going to do for something different. They're going to use their knowledge that they gained from the VR of Hajimari Nukaseki. So that the remake is going to be a VR first person. You're Adol now. You're in control. Did you find something, Brian? Yeah, so I googled it. This is Gaming Bolt. It's this sort of thing. I could I had my pick of the litter. Um, in January, in an interview with Weibo, uh, this is a translation from someone on Twitter, so I don't have a veracity of it. They are working on a East game. It won't be released in 2022. There will be new ideas. They say East 7 through East 9 mm-hmm. have, have maintained a very similar system. The new work will be completely different, which is yeah, kind of you know true statement. They've, and even with Celseta, they they've done like this map percentage unfogging thing uh a little bit of this metroidvania-esque uh thing with the um with the capabilities that you get with the with the monstrum powers and things like that uh or with the party members you get in yeah well it's very clear that the next east game is going to be just like east dark souls east souls at all souls (laughs) well it's like i have but the party system it took like three games to get it right it's like i just hope they just ditch it you know i know i know some people aren't a fan of it ever like they didn't like it in seven salsetta eight or nine they're just not a fan <laughs> uh which is fair yeah there's um, there's some fans i liked it i like i liked it in eight i just didn't like most of the characters at all and then nine i liked mm-hmm. the characters better but at that point i was just kind of like it was just like oh i i know what this you system is something different yeah, I, I hope that I hope the next one's not party based because it's kind of old at this point. Mm-hmm. So with that, I played every like I played at least a version of every East game. You know, not every port of every version, but I played a version of. Well, each. you know what except, to do next. Except to unless you want version. to play something like unless you want me to play something like East Strategy, which I own. Yes, yes. But I hear it's I hear it's like absolutely terrible. Highly yeah, recommend. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We, we apparently, got the character you're using is like an ancestor of Adel somehow. We got yeah, I don't know anything about it except it's a strategy like game on DS, and it's very bad. <laughs> Obviously, we need to hear the uh, East experts' uh, <laughs> impressions of uh, East strategy. Well, when you're in the middle of your move, you can have your DS next to you, and if you're if you're in a hotel room halfway through, you can pull it out and play your uh, <laughs> your, your version of East strategy. I don't know if there's any other like spinoff I should play. There's you, like you, 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 you can go watch that high, high school mini anime series where Adol interacts with the Trails cast. Oh yeah, yeah uh, you, you can also watch the use one and two OVAs if anyone's seen that. <laughs> I, I hear those are actually pretty decent. Yeah, they actually were pretty good. Uh, you could also play Typing of East. Yeah, Isn't that included in one of the other games? Included like in why um, the Elvered Insurrection. Oh, that's right. I knew I had run into it somewhere. Because right, no, I have that. No, it's the Arg's Adventure, not the Elvered Insurrection. Uh, okay. I, I played both of the Zoya games, and I remember that it was... I, I ran into the typing game in one of them. I just don't remember which one it was in. Did, did you play the fighting game, the East versus Sora? No. There you go. No. <laughs> All right, with that, I'll transition to what I've been playing for the last week. Uh, about a month ago on the podcast, I ended up talking a tiny bit about a the forgotten RPG of the spring, and that is Elex 2, which released literally like three or four days after Elden Ring or something like that. 
And naturally, it kind of fell through the cracks. We haven't reviewed it yet. Um, it's a game I've wanted to get to, but I got distracted by things like triangle strategy and other stuff. Uh, so as I've mentioned, April is kind of my backlog month. And I finally made some time to put something like 25 hours into Elex 2. And it's a very, very interesting game that I think a certain genre or a genre, a certain type, a certain category of RPG fans will adore. Now, this is going to be like the most bland statement ever. This is going to be something that I can say without a lot of substantiation. And you'll just take my word for it because it's very, very banal. If you liked Elex 1, you will like Elex 2. If you didn't like Elex 1, you will not like Elex 2. And if you haven't played Elex 1, you probably won't like Elex 2 because if you've already if you've been searching for this sort of RPG, you've probably played Elex 1. So Elex 2 is I feel like I have to caveat this in a lot of ways. It is not a pretty game. It is not a polished game. It is not a high production value game. Uh, it is a game that is an acquired taste. It is like the sour pickles of gaming. I don't know. Uh, it's something It's something that you kind of have to know what you're getting into. And it's hard to compare it to other games because it doesn't really play like a lot of other ones, except for potentially other older Piranha Bytes games. Uh, this game is, I guess, the ga a game that I haven't played, but when I've heard Adam discuss it, has kind of given me the same vibe, is Kingdom Come Deliverance. So this game is an open world game where so many of those games, so many like high AAA games are open world this day. So it's, you kind of have this weird dichotomy where open world AAA action based games is like the blockbuster standard the blockbuster blueprint and then this game is clearly not that but it's an open world rpg that really puts rpg as the first genre in its listing it's not an action game it's it's not a spectacle game it's not a blockbuster but it is an open world rpg to every like true sense of the word um you start out absolutely like pathetically weak pathetically poor pathetically like with ugly crappy gear you can't do anything and you're just like scraping the bottom of the barrel in terms of like someone please give me a better weapon or a better gun or better skills because i can't do shit and then like you actually feel it's frustrating it's difficult it's it's challenging and then uh as you progress through this game it is very like narrative focused it's very um story focused in terms of uh encountering different characters encountering different viewpoints of the world and despite that, it is very open-ended. There is not like a linear path of missions that you come across. It kind of like sets you on a literal road and say and says basically like uh, the fort is over there, but you can you know nothing stopping you from going anywhere. And there is really no bespokely prescribed path in which you must go, other than oh shit, these guys are too strong. I better turn back and go the other way. That does that's this actually does sound a lot. I think Kingdom Come Deliverance is a little bit more like here's the main like story path where you have to go to a certain spot. But in terms of the uh, balance that you're talking about and some of the side questing in that game is sort of similar. Where it just um, it seems to have a very similar sort of from what I was watching you play, similar sort of like quest design and like faction design uh, to that. It's the faction design thing in this game is really quite awkward. So in Elex 1, there are three main factions. There's the Berserkers, there's the Outlaws, and there's the um the clerics, which are like they're called clerics, but they're like they were like the high-tech faction of the game. And in this game, they add two more, the Morcons, which are like uh devil worshippers, and the Albs, which are like 
Borg or whatever. And the game treats it like this very mechanical thing, like you belong to a faction or everyone has an allegiance to one of these. They are five different, very like they each have their specific way of dress. They have their, each other specific way of combat, what sort of gear they use, what sort of technology they use. And then literally the opening premise of the story is an NPC saying like, we can't combat the alien threat like this. We need to unite the factions. We need to create the sixth power, the one that combines yeah. the other five. And it just seems like so, like, this is, did a middle schooler come up with this? I don't know. It's just very, very bland, very mechanical, very, this is really the very video gamey. Yeah. But luckily, I will say that even though that general premise is almost like laughably bad, I will say that the quest writing itself is actually quite good, which is it was good in the first game as well. The quest log in this game is quite designed interestingly, where you kind of have like these heading header categories, like with your general sort of um, assignments, your 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 basic objectives, and then they accordion out into like different missions that you get that are the things that you've learned, the notes that you've taken, the people that you've talked talked to about. I should do this. It will help me complete this objective or I need to talk to this person or I need to accomplish this task. So it kind of like threads out like that where it has almost different tiers of like objectives that fold and nest into it and through each other. And oftentimes you'll be working on one objective where I might be doing something simple like I'm at the Morcon base and they they hold prisoners because they're not good people. But one of the, one of the prison guards wants to make sure that they get like at least some sort of like uh, basically ration and uh, weekly pay so that they can like get their essentials for food and supplies. And in order to convince other people of this faction to go along with this, you know, this jail guards plan, you have to do things for them, which sounds like the typical RPG, like scratch my back, I'll scratch yours. Oh, if you want my, if you want my support, you'll, you'll have to do this. Only it does thread between the factions where you'll have to end up like, you know, I won't help you with this until you travel across the map and do this thing from this place. And then once you go there, you'll learn that they have their own problems and their own uh, different sort of objectives that have to be carried out before they'll even entertain the thought of talking to you, or they might like immediately be hostile to you on site. So it's kind of one of those games where you might go into like a, a play session, you sit down for one evening and you're like, today I'm going to accomplish this, but you don't know what that'll entail. And it'll end up like daisy chaining a bunch of different sort of uh, kind of emergent narratives together as you basically get your, get your character introduced to the different areas of the game, the different NPCs that are, you know, that you need to get on your side or, or the different allegiances. And as always, or as maybe expected, this is the sort of game where it's like nothing stopping you from being just a, a dickwad and just going through and murdering everyone. Like, as far as I can tell, there are no quest owners that are like, um, what's the term for it? Like they're, they have like the, the natural, like God mode where you can't kill them because they're quest essential. I don't know that for certain because that's not the way I play these games. I haven't tried to see like, can I kill this person or this person? But I have accidentally like thrown grenades and people get caught in the blast. Like, no, I didn't mean them for, for them to get, uh, to get into the, into the combat and be a casualty. Let me restart and reload. There's a lot of saves coming in this game. Yeah, but I've heard, I mean, from what I know of like Piranha Bytes games, it's it their their strengths are the sorts of things that are like harder to showcase. Like mm -hmm. if you just look at the game's combat, it's not very good. If you just look at the game's presentation, just like visuals, it's not very good. And like technical performance, it's not very, not very good. good. 
Yeah, but it's like uh, the the world and quest design and like NPC kind of like structures and designs and interactions. Those are the types of things that I know that the first Elex was sort of praised for. Um, rather than just, you know, some RPGs where it's just like fetch quest, go here, fight these things, and then get a, get some reward, and that's kind of it. From when I remember watching you play Elex 1 and Elex 2, it's, you know, just a little bit more involved in terms of how things can carry out. Like you were saying, you know, how these quests kind of link together and tell a story, you know, and your decisions and how you the, how you approach it can affect things. So it's that's like that's got you kind of have to be like that's what you're in for like that's that's the reason to play is what i kind of understand and the uh like one one it's one basic example of that is uh i, I had a quest where basically i'm with the the albs which are the borg like people and they basically hyper value efficiency almost to the extent, uh, extent where how efficient a person is deemed to be determines like the rations for the month in terms of like, do they manage their emotions? Well, are they good at their jobs or whatever? They like have like this rating system. It's kind of like a weird, almost like satirical take on like a weird combination of like fascism and also like over bureaucracy. They're not meant to be sympathetic at all. I mean, they're, they're basically bored. Um, and then one character basically says like, he's 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 not taking his rations because he doesn't want to be quote, basically like the equivalent of assimilated but if they find out that he's not doing it they'll execute him so you need to basically steal from his like stash where he's been storing away his rations and not injecting them and as always with a with a with an rpg of multiple outcomes you can ignore his request and they'll find it in his stash and he'll be executed you can report him which basically is like taking an even like further stance to saying like, nope, I'm going to side with the fascists here. Or obviously you can be the goody two shoes and help them out. But if you do help them out, you're on a time scale because you have to do it before the next inspection, things like that. So there's lots of things where it's like, if I want to see all the ways that this quest ends, I need to play this part, this little simple 20 minute quest three times. And chances are it doesn't affect too much, but every single quest is like that. And then like, there's some quests where I trust a person and then they end up stabbing me in the back by like ratting me out. And I'm like, okay, what if I reload my save and don't trust him in the first place? But that's not in the spirit of the game, so I'm not going to do that. So it's the mm-hmm. sort of thing where it, when I say it's a real RPG, that's kind of what I mean, even though that sounds a little bit like... It's a real movie. RPG, <laughs> I love it. <laughs> but, it. But in terms of having like the choice, your choice and consequences matter in terms of role-playing. Are you, are, do you mean you're not just like trying to get like the best optimal outcome in every single situation and like yep. scumming all the time? Golden path. <laughs> You would never do that, right? Path, no, I, I, I would never follow a guy to get the golden path, ever. <laughs> uh, the last thing I'll say on this game, because I understand that not people listening to this probably aren't that interested in it, uh, is that what this game does really well is make resources appear very valuable in terms of money, in terms of attribute points, and in terms of skills. I mentioned that you start out like very poor and very weak. And it's the sort of game where it's like when you're at a shop and they have new gear, you might have enough money to buy one new piece of gear, maybe if you've done quests. And then like you're you might buy that and be like, all right, I'm going to be poor for the next three hours because I bought myself a new shield or whatever. So money is very hard to come by. I'm sure people the game's been out long enough that I'm sure there's like strategies online where if you do this and if you craft this thing and sell it at this place, you'll generate a lot of money. But 
I guess playing naturally and organically without looking up like outside resources, I'm finding myself like strapped for cash pretty often. And the same is true for attribute points. That's when you level up and you can just dump your points into strength, uh, intelligence, things like that. And skill points, every time you level up, you get a single skill point that'll teach you something like locksmithing or ha- or hacking or things like that. And they're always, always, always at a premium, all three of those like effective currencies. So every time I level up, every time I uh, get a new set of attribute points, I'm always like, do I put more points into strength so I can finally wield a better weapon? Or do I put more points into intelligence so I can finally get enough to learn the hacking skill? And then if you get a, a skill point, you're like, do I finally learn that hacking skill? But oh, it might be really, really handy to be, be able to craft my own ammunition rather than having to buy it. So it always feels like you're not spoiled for choice. You have, or it's, it's, it's kind of the opposite of that, where you have to make a decision and it will be consequential and it'll determine how you play the game and what build you end up having. I originally wanted to um, make my character like a ranged character using like crossbows and shotguns, but I couldn't ever find like, a shop that sold me a good ranged weapon. So I ended up finding like a decent sword. So I put my stats into strength instead. But now I kind of have these skill points that will allow me to craft ammunition because that's where I thought I was going. Like, well, I guess now I can use this to craft ammunition from materials and sell it instead. That's a, that'll be an income source for me to help solve the other, you know, scarcity of that. So it's really, it's, I actually kind of enjoy it. It feels like I'm making consequential decisions constantly. And every time I level up, I'm actually like hesitating. Like, what do I put these stats into? This, I don't know. It sounds like a nightmare if you're a min-maxer. Yeah. Like, <laughs> well, I'm thinking like Elden Ring where it's like, I need, I need to like, uh, you know, I know exactly what I'm, or maybe not exactly, but I have a really good idea of what I need to put my stats into because I know what weapon I'm using. I know how it scales, uh, et cetera. Or I know exactly what I want my weight limit to be. Where here, it's like, what do I want to do? I, I've been using this, but if I go to this next place, they might have a better weapon. And I've actually really enjoyed it. Rather than being like, oh, I'm I'm rich. I can afford everything. I never have to make a consequential decision. But you know, I know that might turn some people off, but I actually really thought it's been keeping me really engaged. And also... When you're doing a quest and you have the opportunity to like bribe someone, it's kind of like, well, I could do this, but I know money is really valuable. So if I bribe someone, that might help me in the in the short term, but then I might not. I'll be strapped for cash again, which is already like a scarce resource. So it's not only getting new gear, but it's like how you progress through quests. If you decide not to bribe someone, you have to get through another way. Uh, so I will probably write a review for this game once I finish it and put something up for it. It probably won't score that well because I can't ignore like the places where it is deficient. It's an ugly game. I remember when I was streaming it, uh, like one of the first characters you meet is a child character. And it's like PS3 era shrunken model, enlarge the head yeah. child character. It looks like a like this misshapen gnome thing when they're supposed to be human. And then like the... I've been actually capturing some footage for it because I might do a YouTube video, but I'm like, man, this game just does not present itself well at all. It's a really hard sell. Uh, but hopefully at least here, I've given you some inclination about like why I'm not immediately just like uninstalling it because it, it is it is keeping me kind of hooked, even though I can easily see where it's uh, where it falls short. And we do have one more game here that uh, we've kind of mentioned kind of in passing as sort of some context for why a certain someone was late. And we were talking earlier about Gundams. Uh, Josh, why were we talking about Gundams? Yeah, we were mentioning earlier that Chow, Adam, and I went to sleep really late. Uh, and part of that was because last night I was streaming. Um, the Throughout this uh, weekend, uh, as the recording of this podcast, uh, they're holding the Gundam Evolution closed beta playtest. 
and that is the most people first saw this at the a PlayStation State of Play event. Um, where they showed up, oh, there's this cool, new cool Gundam FPS game that looks a lot like Overwatch, and you know, for that, that's basically what it is. It is uh, a new uh, free-to-play Gundam uh, game that is pretty much uh, presents itself a lot like Overwatch. So I've been playing uh, a lot of that throughout this closed beta period because, <laughs> you know, like you said, it's kind of a slow uh, week for ga- uh, games in April in general. So. I just wanted to try that out. It's been a really, really fun experience. I've been very surprised. I, I played Overwatch for a good chunk of when it first released, but like fell off like you know about like six months later. Um, in that, but the this game is even though it looks and plays a lot like Overwatch, the uh, there's little things about it that I appreciate. Um, so the like the the game's like character dynamics they're very clearly inspired by some. Overwatch kits like uh, the Gundam Exia and Barbados, uh, they although they are both melee units, um, they they do take some inspiration from Genji uh, from Overwatch. Like their kits are separated, where uh, Gundam Exia has like throwing daggers, which is like a lot like Genji's throwing stars, while Barbados is much more a close range oriented, where it has like big like this big like mace uh as its primary move and it like it it's uh focused on like dealing a lot of damage like up front like in your face while Gundam Exia is very hit and run uh so they, that's already kind of diverge and even though they have like the same sort of foundation uh guiding their um character philosophy um and so zombie did, did you play a lot of overwatch yeah yeah so and then so zombie made like it's kind of like your big tank character but it's uh, it's almost like Reinhardt, but uh, I'd say Zazabi is like a little bit more versatile in the way it uh, plays. While Reinhardt has like that big like shield that it deployed. Like you know, when I played, I don't know how the state of Overwatch is in the last like three or four years of whatever like you know whatever character revamps and reworks uh, characters had. I have no idea. Like I, my my Overwatch knowledge is very basic, like near the state of launch. You know, from what I remember many years ago. Um, like the zombie is cool in uh in Gundam Evolution because it has like a beam shotgun rifle with a shield, and then like when it's up close, it can hold up the shield while it's uh firing its beam shotgun, and like it has like a cool skill where like you can throw its like beam tomahawk, and like when its beam tomahawk is in place, you can like dash over to it, so you can like throw the beam tomahawk up and then like do your dash with it actually like fly up to that tomahawk, but then he can also uh, also dash to other characters, and then like its ult. Uh, like uh, every character's game has an ult, like an Overwatch. So like, so Zombie's ult is like deploying its funnels, and then they'll, they'll uh go fuck up like you know nearby targets, um for you. So it it's a you know it has like about fourteen characters available. It's closed beta test. We don't know like a release date. We know it's launching on PS Five, and I think it's launching on other platforms too. I'm not sure if it's coming to Xbox, but I know it's coming like I think PS Four also. Um, but uh, PC for sure. Um, I've been liking it a lot. I I play the, the the character that I like right now. Uh, in that game is uh just the Grandpa Gundam, the first Gundam RX seventy eight two. Grandpa Gundam. Yeah, I kind of refer to it as Grandpa Gundam. Um, where it has like it's a, it's really basic, but it's like a really powerful like beam rifle um primary weapon, and then like it's it's shield uh, its skills are very basic because. Like one of its shield, one of its uh, skills is like putting up its shield in front of it. You can't fire off of it, but it's kind of like a, kind of like a good defensive mechanic if you're trying to like uh, capture a point. 
uh, in the in the game, and then it's other skills like uh, getting like the Gundam hammer, like the like the kind of like the chain ball, and, like you can like throw it at someone, and like if their shield is up, they'll stun them. Even if they're not, their shield isn't up, it'll do a lot of damage and like push them back. Um, and its ult is like firing this super neat palm grenade that has like a big AOE that like people have to like get out of. But like the big downside to it is like you can like actually like shoot at the super neat palm and like disable it. So you have to be very uh, mindful of, like how, how where you deploy it and it has like a you know um i'd say it's a it's it's faster paced than overwatch because every character has like this boost bar attached to them like at the at the, the lower left corner of the screen like this this boost gauge and for some characters they have like one long gauge while others have like pips like like say like two pips or three pips of like boost gauges and how this manifests in the game is there are uh universal mobility options where everyone like instead of running since you're not you're not playing humans you're playing as giant robots they have thrusters on their back so you can like instead of like having like a stamina gauge for running they have a thruster gauge like to show like okay they can like boost this amount but then like for other more like quicker maneuvers they can like have, have like a boost dash uh where you can like uh just quickly move you know like you know in front or side to side and then like for characters that have like two or three pips of like their boost dash gauge like it'll immediately take one off to do that maneuver so like if you die and then like you go spawn back it's not like overwatch where it takes a like a while for some characters to get back into the action uh this boost gauge allows characters to like re-engage at a much faster pace and that's what i really like about it there's like a lot more mobility options like all around for every character it's not just like oh i'm playing this character i'm like kind of my bullet my bullet the mobility is what it is it's like no there's actually yeah, well, I saw you. I saw you playing as the gun tank, which I just kind yeah. of assumed. I don't play like the hero shooters, yeah. um, but I just kind of assumed. Okay, with my knowledge of gun tank and my mm-hmm. understanding of hero shooters, like I'm assuming that was like a. I kind of assumed it was a heavily armored, slow moving, very immobile person, but had something to make up for it. Like I had a higher health pool or shields or something. The, that that that's the thing. Like this this game, it doesn't really reflect like what the actual like. What you think of a gun tech maybe like in the canonical series they they all feel like a, a very hero shooter role so the game the gun tech is actually really good like a, as like a frontal assault unit but it's like it's not really the tankiest unit in the game but it's like very good at like pushing uh, uh pushing front lines forward because like it's it's primary weapons are obviously are like it's like it's like chain gun arms and then um that thing like automatically has like it'll it'll auto aim for you uh obviously like the you can't like snipe with them you have to be more up close but like you don't have to worry about the, your, your aim as long as like the, the enemies like in front of you and like it'll auto target them and uh it has skills where like you can get uh, run up and like tackle you and um what was its other skill its other skills like using its mounted cannons to like kind of shoot from afar and uh, like it's the, just because like uh like a, a suit in the series was more tankier doesn't mean it'll like reflect towards the actual game in, in this actual game itself like obviously so, so in the game the each character has like a certain role that they're suited to fill but it might yeah. be slightly shifted from the expectations you might have from yeah it's, it's not it's not like every yeah, it's not like it's not like every Gundam is to scale like the Zazabi isn't like like the Zazabi is actually way 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 bigger in the anime series but this one's like has been scaled a little bit down like you know, because it's like it's a hero shooter, you need to actually like see it, and then it can't it can't be too big, it can't be like too canonical to scale. Like gun tank, for example, is like way bigger. Like when you see it, 
in the game, even though it's like it's smaller in the series. So like the gun tank in this game side by side to the Gundam will be like relatively like it's almost like the same size as the Gundam. While meanwhile in the series, the gun tank is way smaller than the Gundam. Uh, for example, you know, so, you know what I'm, you know, what weird thing that I'm getting in my head is like a weird mental reference point point of comparison. Uh-huh. Pokemon but, Unite. Yeah, where, oh, yeah, where yeah. they just where like they just kind of like all the all the Pokemon are like scaled to be roughly similar. Their actual like base stat total or whatever doesn't really come into play because they're just served. They're just more designed to serve certain roles in the game rather than be true to their true canonical strength or whatever. Yeah. So I, like that. Yeah. Just not every character to be a one to one reference like Overwatch. Definitely, they've taken inspirations from Overwatch characters in this game. So for people to think, oh, there's going to be you know they just ripped straight off, ripped off you know characters from Overwatch into this game. It's like. It, they were definitely inspired, definitely for some characters, some here, some hero shooters, like even Valorant. But it's not, it's not like a straight skin as you're thinking. I, I think people should give it a shot when like it comes out and it's gonna be, you know, it's a free to play. So you know, how long? How long them. is the beta period? Just, the, just this weekend for the PC. I, I know there's gonna be. I think there was some talk on social media there will be like a console uh, beta test. I don't know when that's gonna happen and how that'll manifest. Um, but they just have been hinting that that'll happen as well. Um, and yeah, and, and you know, it, it it comes with all the progression mechanics that you think a hero shooter does. It has like a a battle pass that you level up, and then like at certain at certain points of the battle pass, you could like roll a gotcha from tickets that like you're awarded, and then like you know you just roll for cosmetics, so like skins, weapon skins, like MVP animations, emotes, um, stamps, player icons, and all, all all that stuff. You know, just all cosmetics. They don't affect the like the gameplay or the balance. Um and yeah, I've just been having a really fun time with that, playing with friends and eager to play more of that, you know, later. It's just been a fascinating thing. I guess also at the time of this recording, just a heads up, um Bandai Namco also announced that Gundam Battle Operation 2, which has been on the PS4 and PS5 for quite some time, is coming to PC via Steam. No crossplay between them because they have different management teams between the PC and the consoles, and they have like different times of like when they update. But the the first um beta test uh, for that starts up next weekend on steam if you want to like try that out they have their request access button on the gundam battle operation 2 steam page uh for that it's it's not like it's 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 definitely its own thing it's more like a mech warrior-esque game very more slower paced um i i, I played a bit of it on the playstation it's a lot of fun but it's a definitely different kind of game than obviously gundam evolution it is like very interesting to see that like they they announced it right as the closed beta for Gundam Evolution was about to begin. So it's uh it's gonna be interesting. There's some, a good chunk of Gundam games coming to Steam all of a sudden. Adam will have plenty of reasons to stay up to watch you play <laughs> Gundam games. Well, unfortunately, since that's only for this weekend, by the time most people listen to this, it'll be uh, a yeah, closed beta done. for Gundam. Oh, yeah. Rip. Yeah, but you know the who, who has been your favorite? I know you mentioned that when you said that you that your favorite of the set was the OG Gundam. You meant to play, or do you just meant like out of the out of the choices they had for their roster? Uh, to, to to play to play, but uh-huh. you know there are definitely a lot of like uh, like units themselves in the roster. And like like I like Turn A Gundam. I don't think it's like I don't think it's for me in this game. I think it's kind of a little bit weak so far in the in this uh, Gundam Evolution. But I like the Turn A Gundam itself. Pale, Pale Rider is the Soldier 76 equivalent. Uh, in this case, it's like your tutorial character has the most basic like layout that's easy to like if you've been playing like Call of Duty and other modern FPS shooters, that'll be like the character that you want to probably start with and like to learn the game from. Um 
there's also like some cool like Gundam XT, obviously. Uh Marasai isn't there. The Dom Trooper. <laughs> they they put the Dom Trooper in the game, but specifically the Gundam Seed Destiny version of the Dom Trooper <laughs> in the game, which is really funny and very specific. Um if you play like the soldier class like in Team Fortress 2, like its primary weapon is kind of that rocket launcher where you want to aim at people's feet. You can't I don't think you can rocket jump with it, but you can want to play like you know, aim at eight people's feet because that's like an AoE. Uh, damage effect uh, on that it can lay down mines but there's a there's a lot of cool suits like just from the get-go from the initial roster and i i I, it's gonna be really interesting to see what suits they add like down the line because i think in order for this game to be successful they need to be really ready with their update game in this game i think this kind of game really needs like constant updates for people to stay engaged with it because you know people People like want to see their favorite Gundams, their favorite. Yeah, I was gonna suits say like this. Other. This game could easily pull a lot of fan service with the cadence and style of updates that they do. We're like, now yeah. we're finally, we're finally adding the G Gundam Gundam. I don't know what that Gundam is. Yeah, but, it's, but, yeah. It's not, what it's are, like what are your thoughts on G Gundam? I must know. Uh, it's campy, but it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's funny. It's, it's definitely entertaining. Uh, it's a, it's a lot of goofy fun. I love, I love G Gundam so. You know, you I'm sure that we're gonna see you know a representative at some point in the game. But it like it's it's such a an odd weird fit. Like I didn't know if this was gonna be like great, but like it's actually really fun. I'm really enjoying like really positive first impressions so far. Like there are definitely some things where I'm like, oh man, hopefully they get they, this gets ironed out like in the full game. Like Barbados, uh, from Iron Blooded Orphans is like insane in this game. Like it's just the... just watching you is really funny because it's really like. You watch it as someone that unfortunately has like a couple hundred hours in Overwatch. It's like, damn, they made some real big changes for Overwatch too. <laughs> yeah, um, like even down to the UI, like mm-hmm. so much of it is just honestly like straight up lifted from Overwatch. Yeah, like when you get your yeah yeah when you get your old or called the G maneuvers in this game, like you'll see like your your the, the center icon flashing and like oh, just. <laughs> Much like you'd see in Overwatch, so yes, they 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 read their inspirations. You know, they they're not trying to hide it. We 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 know where this uh, idea came from, but it's it's fine. It's fine. Yeah, yeah. Gundam Evolution is a. Uh, I'm very interested to see what the lifespan of this game looks like. It'll be very. Uh, I'm definitely going to keep close eye and hopefully going to keep on playing it again and again and again. And and I I just wanted to mention earlier too it's it's gonna be like a weird thing because like you mentioned Brian like this is like kind of this is already pulling from a really 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 popular franchise so like people already want to see their favorites in it unlike in Overwatch and Valorant where it's like totally brand new IPs so people don't really know what they want because like they don't know the characters because like you know they're kind of like making up characters as they go um you know as the just, the, the well, I'm thinking of, like I saw like, I saw a headline the other day where it's like Ubisoft is still trying to make their like Overwatch Valorant competitor. They had like that Hyperscape, which was like a major focus of one of their summer things a few years back. I don't know if that's still going. It just feels like nothing. Uh, it feels like Valorant, which is not new anymore, was the only yeah. one that was able to like st- stick. And any any sort of like enthusiasm there were for Overwatch too. I haven't been following this because it's not my jam. But like that was, I felt like forever ago, and Overwatch Two, as far as I know, is still not out. But yeah, basically, like... what happened is is that they stopped really supporting Overwatch One with the excuse that all of the time, to- the time and effort was going to go into Overwatch Two, 
Uh, and that kind of backfired because of uh, everything with like Activision Blizzard and basically it. Some Activision Blizzard like developers piped up on Twitter saying that a lot of the work that they had put into Overwatch 2 was like outright vetoed and had to be scrapped because of Bobby Kotick like personally saying so, which is not a great look. <laughs> so who knows what's going to end up with there. Uh, apparently there's supposed to be a an alpha or a beta for Overwatch 2 this year, but uh, who knows if anyone, how that's going to turn out. So, yeah. yeah. Uh, I guess this is like, there's like a very, very prime opportunity for Gundam Evolution to step in and hopefully like find a, a player base, like a loyal player base that'll like keep up with it. And because like, I think this is like kind of their one chance. There's like a really big opportunity, like a big void <laughs> at the moment. <laughs> and then that's basically like what ha- what's happened to Overwatch. Um, hopefully they capitalized on it and find success. Uh, I wish them the best. It's a really cool idea. It's not going to jive with everyone because you know hero shooters are not for everyone. Um, but it's a it's a really novel idea. Despite it's you know taking that Overwatch template, it's 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 something I never would have like thought up of if I was like in game development. It's like and it's it's awesome. And with that, I think we've covered all the all of what most everyone here has been playing. I think we did kind of jump over Chow and a little bit of James. I know you've been playing Final Fantasy XIV in uh, in preparation for the big April twelfth update. Are you are you ready for patch six point one? It's six point one, correct? Yeah, I got I'm ready. I uh, officially I've been I'll, I have a. Uh, I have a confession. I've been playing 14 the entire time the podcast has been going on. Uh, we can uh, hear your keyboard. We believe it. But oh, I'm <laughs> it sorry. Doesn't, yeah, I, it, it doesn't bother us. I do it too. Yeah. Um. So just saved up enough gill to uh, afford at least the lottery for the new housing. I have no pretenses that I'm going to actually manage to get a house. But there is a possibility. Because I've actually I have enough gill that I can at least enter that lottery. But you, you don't know you what happens just... with your own house, right? You'll have yes. to stay subbed in so that you don't lose it. I was talking to a coworker who had watched the new Batman movie, and uh, no spoilers. <laughs> but apparently, at one point in the movie, they start like drawing a map on the floor or something like that, and he was like. No, I own a house. You don't do that to the floor. Who's going to clean that up or whatever? And I just thought that was funny. Like, oh, yes, owning a place makes you ch- changes your perspective. Sorry about that <laughs> tangent. <laughs> because once he has a house, he has to be a hardcore player. He will never have to. He can't be like the casual people where they just subbed in when there's new content coming. Chow, I, I, I've I've cleared the ferns. Well, the, for it, the current Savage Turret. I'm pretty sure that ship has sailed. Yeah, James, going, James going with the big. So you're saying there's a chance uh, this uh, these next few days. Now he game. now he's a permanent sub player. He he'll never able to go back. It's all right. It's not like I've ever unsubbed, anyways. Damn. I mean, but that's part of the reason why I got back to. Well, I actually gave it a shot in 2020 in the first place. This is like I kept intending to play, so I never unsubbed, and it's like, well, now it's a sunk cost. Uh, don't don't be outdone. You gotta you gotta out uh, 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 play James now. What? Wailed entire Mog Station uh-huh. and say that. Hey, there I you go. Support this uh, game. I, 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 want, I want you. To, I want to see you talk about your first experience buying a forty dollar mount or whatever it was. I haven't done it yet, but James. Has. I, I I've literally whailed. I bought the whale mount. Yeah, he's that the, was that the forty dollar one? 
the yeah. forty dollar one. What was on sale when it first came out for twenty eight? Uh, that that, that, ex- oh. that excuses it. All right. <laughs> yeah, but I do not have the whale mount. I have bought a bunch of skins. I literally like paid wow, look twelve dollars to get a piece of glove. Oh boy. Look, I, I like on my like uh, login screen. It says I've been subbed for twelve hundred days, which means I've spent at least like six hundred dollars on uh, subs over the time I've been playing this game. But hey, uh, I've well, got my money's worth considering the fact that I have I'm I'm going to hit two thousand hours in the game this uh, month. So, well, as long as you stay logged in, you get your money's worth. You know, back then there was this argument that. People said to me, it's like MMOs are too expensive. And then you use the argument, well, you only spent $12 and you played this game for an entire month versus people that spent $50 for a bunch of games that they only touch once and never touch it again. True. As long as you have the executable launched and you're in the game, you are getting your money's worth. No matter what the fuck you're doing, as long as that executable is up, you are getting your money's worth. But. Yeah, this is our Final Fantasy experience for, for the week. It's just how you're going to spend your money. Uh, I am excited for the new content, though. Uh, I just I, I'm not really I, ready for it, though. Yeah. So, Chow, if, if you're if you're done with P4S by the time uh, cross uh, data center travel happens, do you want to prog uh, the ultimate? Uh, if you don't mind having me, yeah, sure. Could be a liability, guys. Could be a liability. <laughs> oh, Charles already like. Look, I'm, I'm, I'm not that good. Like, I'm not worthy. Mm. We'll have, we'll, we'll, I'll, I'll beat this run, and we'll get that gray parse like my friend. He got like that gray parse ultimate clear, and it's like, yep, I got carried, guys. I got. Wait, carried. is is gray I'm... the ultimate? I thought purple was. Gray means no. that you did poorly. Oh, the ultimate carry. All right, inverted. Gotcha. That makes more sense. Honestly, anyone's complain like complaining about a great person and ultimate. It's like a great purse is still an ultimate purse. Like it doesn't matter if it's not the best clearer. If you still cleared like ultimates, you can't really be carried because there's enough like mechanics that you need to understand what you're doing and you need to have a decent idea of your rotation. And you have to have cleared the previous Savage here in order to even be able to do it. So, like, I'm not going to be such a tryhard. If somebody says, oh, yeah, I got an ultimate clear, I will go and check their FF logs and then scoff if they have a, a great parse. Because it's like, no. Yeah, you got one the ultimate thing, clear. It's like one thing I learned about with the game is this, a clear is a clear. It doesn't matter what methods you use to beat it. As long as you know what you're doing and don't be toxic about it, it's fine. Yeah, we'll hear more about that new patch next next week. Yep. And with that, we'll go into the news section, which there isn't a lot this month, as may be expected. But there are a few things that we were introduced uh, late last year that we finally got a, a first look at this year. So we'll just kind of go through this uh, in the order I have listed, and we'll see uh, where our natural discussion points land. So a year back or a little more, we had the big GeForce Now Square Enix leak about all the things that we could potentially look forward to. Obviously, a lot of this very on brand for our site stuff about the uh, Final Fantasy IX remaster and all the other things that we saw about the Chrono Cross. Like it tipped, it seems to be a very very valid leak. And more ammunition to that stockpile is that one of the things as part of that leak was some sort of remaster for Tactics Ogre. Now, this week, Square Enix did trademark 
Tactics Ogre Reborn in Japan. It was a filing made on March 31st. This was spotted by Gamatsu. Uh, we've kind of been expecting to hear news about the potential of a Tactics Ogre remaster ever since that initial leak. There hasn't been a Tactics Ogre game since the PSP game Tactics Ogre Let Us Clean Together, which I know is highly regarded and I haven't played it, but I know that Adam thinks really highly of it. And so I guess I'll just uh, lend it off to Adam. Adam, you hear about a Tactics Ogre Reborn. What are your hopes and dreams, if any? So the thing with trademarks is that, like, when a, when a company trademarks just, like, a game title or a franchise title, you know, it's hard to, like, put much stock into it because it might just be, a, you know, a renewal of some sort, you know, just so they can hold on to the name. But this is obviously something new and different. Tactics Ogre Reborn is something that hasn't existed before. So it's like they have some idea for some Tactics Ogre follow-up here. The fact that it says Reborn does sort of indicate that it's, like, some sort of remake or remaster or retelling of Tactics Ogre in some way, rather than, you know, like a sequel or something new. Um, that's my assumption. I don't know. Like, I really like Tactics Ogre Let Us Cling Together. A couple of years ago, I played the Game Boy game, uh, Night of Lotus, and I not didn't like it quite as much, but I still think it's a really solid game. And so I'm really, you know, excited to see what this is going to be. I don't know if it's just going to be like Tactics Ogre Let Us Cling Together, like HD2D style. Or if it's going to be something else entirely, I don't know. I'm just extremely interested in whatever it's going to be. I think Tactics Ogre is an extremely good game with just a few flaws or issues that I... Like in Tactics Ogre, the one thing about it that is like one thing that I really wish it didn't do is that when you get a new class, you have to train it up from level one. And it's just kind of tedious whenever you get like a brand new class. You have to basically set aside time to kind of catch it up. Um, so it's just like if it can be as good as the PSP game and just adjust a few small things, but don't adjust too much, then I'm excited. But, you know, now at this point, it's just all wishful thinking, right? Just like, please be great. Yeah, uh, I'm with you there. Uh, um, I it took me really just to see how this manifests. I mean, the, um, Square Enix trademarks have become like this yeah, weird like, confirmation, like early confirmation. Like, the, remember the Valkyrie Elysium trademark? Oh, yeah. It's like, is that a new mobile game? And it's like, oh, it's a new console game. That's this is this is sort of unrelated, but they also trademarked recently Romancing Saka Minstrel Song. Oh yeah, yeah. And the thing about that is that like that's an already a game that exists, so that could just easily be just we're holding on to the name so no one else can use it. But we know that. Uh, the saga series that they've been doing remakes and remaster or not remakes well some remakes sort of and remasters recently so it's like who knows but but yeah this is clearly something new and docker elysium turned out to be you know not not just you know a placeholder of something it was literally a project they were working on so but yeah it's just if we're getting really into the weeds here if we really want to read between the lines here the exact when the nvidia ga force now leak came out they uh, ha- whatever this Tactics Ogre Reborn is, that we assume it's gonna be, it's gonna be the Tactics Ogre Remaster um, yeah. entry in that. And then from previous Nvidia uh, leaks uh, that were that was like the way they were they were named, like Act Razor uh, Renaissance was Act Razor Remake, Chrono Cross Remaster was the Radical Dreamers Edition. Then you had like all the other unannounced titles, like Unannounced Card Game Two was the Voice of Card sequel. And the unannounced dungeon tactics games was down dungeon encounters. So yeah. 
like if we're just going off like how the Nvidia leak uh, labels it, this will be more of a remaster rather than a full-on remake. But who knows? Who knows? We're just kind of <laughs> who knows what it, it, it could be anything. Yeah, and it's like, what happens if Square made an NFT tactics over game? <laughs> Don't I, say I that, Chow. What the fuck? <laughs> if that happens, I know, I know it's all on you. Some Oh god, Sega Super Game. I'm, I'm already feeling. I'm still feeling the scars. Oh my god, Chow! You just fucking ruined this. I know uh, a lot of people when we tweeted about this were just like, "Please don't be a mobile game." Yeah, Which, uh, I could actually see that. Like the fact that it was in the GeForce now makes me think that it's not because a mobile game wouldn't be on that. Yeah, but like Tactics Ogre has lots of characters, so you know, who knows? But that is such not a lucrative process. It's like, ah, yes, gotcha for your favorite Tactics Ogre characters. It's like, <laughs> well, they hey, have a vast so... gotcha. Who knows? But they have a vast world to use. I mean, they could use the entire Ogre Battle world. You know, I mean, speaking of Ogre Battle, there's a fan translation for the Sega Saturn version that was released just recently. If anyone's curious of playing that, it is the best version of the game. If they want a mobile tactics ogre game to do well, they just need to start out with a Nier Automata collaboration, and it'll be good. Well, look at Babylon's Fall. They already have the Nier Automata collab. I take it very good. We'll have to get Tony on here to talk about Babylon's Fall at some point, because that, oh that game is not being shut down. That's they've, they've given us their word. Yeah, yeah the Nier collab will save it. We're buying thirty dollars to get the hairstyle of two B. Hell yeah! Finally, that that that's the that's the whale that I want to chase. Uh, once once it's on sale for 25 percent off, I'll oh. get it. Isn't it a collab? Meaning that it's only temporary. Uh, I have no idea. Yeah, it's a bit of time. So, but you got, got to get in, Brian. You can't you can't wait for uh, a sale. Don't don't want to miss oh, out. No. I'll never I'll never get my my two B hair uh-huh. my. Get it, yep. it but uh, well, practice uh, ogre, sure. Well, we'll take put, it. Put, uh, put let us play together on Steam. As long as it doesn't get fucking radical, radical dreamers editioned, mm. I think I'll be okay. <laughs> but who knows now? Now that it says remaster rather than remake, <laughs> it's a toss up. So last year we got the announcement. Uh, as about a year ago, it was back in like May. We got the announcement of a new action RPG. Made in Abyss, Binary Star, Falling into Darkness. And over the course since then, it's been mostly quiet. We got a few screenshots like in November, but we finally got the first trailer uh, just this last week for uh, this Made in Abyss game. So we had a couple discussions about this game back when it was announced about like how how bleak it is and how like its art style kind of belies like its narrative themes and tones. So I don't know. Does uh, after I was really interested in this game after hearing about the premise last year. The trailer really hasn't moved the needle much. I'm still interested. It's kind of what I expected, but I don't know. Is this something that we're uh, looking forward to still as a possible like sleeper RPG for later in 2022? I don't know. Me, quite. I would say quite possibly, but I, who knows? Who knows? I'm. It, it's interesting. I don't know. Like just. Just from the trailer alone, I don't think like it has like great production values. Like the right, developers I was say corporation, that's a, that's a cheap. and and like they worked on like a ReZero game that came to oh, modern platforms, and that wasn't really. I, I I didn't play it, but it just didn't really interest me because I I don't really care much for ReZero. Um, but if if the mechanics are solid enough, 
like it's definitely i'm definitely gonna uh, gonna check this out because i like the made in abyss ip um i think it's really really fascinating and this when this game was first announced like the the real like eye-opener for a lot of people is like because it's it, it's such a violent uh ma- like source material and the, it, like right, right from the get-go they announced oh this is gonna be zero z rating in japan which is kind of like the most intense rating uh, uh over there so it's like okay it's some shit's really gonna go like be represented here and then like you see it a little bit in this new trailer where like there's some really violent things that happen in like the latter half of that trailer um so i'm not really too sure like how it'll shake out overall but it's they're 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 showcasing the right stuff even though like even though the the production value might not be exactly up to snuff um but it, it seems interesting enough though yeah so this is right now only slated to as a release window of fall of 2022 so maybe we'll see this this year i do agree with you that the production values look kind of cheap like it almost it almost looks like it was a mobile game that was up at some point uh, it's releasing by the way for pc playstation 4 and uh and switch yeah and, and we'll have dual audio and i, I guess that like i think what concerns me is because there's gonna be like two modes there's one that like follows like the original like the main main source material uh, material protagonists and their journey and then there's like another mode that's like a uh, game original character that goes along with them. And like I don't exactly know like where's the separation there because like the premise has to be the same. Like they both have to they, they both have to start with like entering this abyss and going down it. Um because that's just how the story works. But like I don't know exactly where they decide to separate and how, what makes them different at the moment. Because like what they're showcasing at the moment is like there's one mode that follows like the events of like the original story and one that has like one with the like it looks like the events of the original story, but there's like an original main character there and like I don't know. They haven't really conveyed that all that well. I wonder what- if it's a case where it's like there's like a story mode that like tries to recreate it and then there maybe is a kind of like roguelike mode, or maybe not roguelike, but like a survival, just trying to get as far as you can with a non-named npc or something that would be like my read but again we don't know too much about the game yet so it's kind of hard to say yeah uh, yeah who, who knows and the, and the way like you know the press release does say like uh experience the anime story so it has rico and reg from uh, meeting for the first episode of season one and then they start their adventure and then the brand new story apparently you know another story starts many days after rico and reg depart for the abyss so like you're this original character that like i guess you know goes in uh, who knows after them or you know out of curiosity who knows but you you definitely see the trailer like this original character like links up with them so i don't know it's weird but who knows uh yeah that's all i can really say from what they the the footage that they've shown apart from like oh they're gonna go uh, it looks like they're teasing like they're gonna go up to the events of the most recent movie that came out which is dawn of the deep soul and that's like quite a a bit into it and then like the season two of the anime starts like next season in summer so who knows if it's gonna cover that as well a couple other smaller updates to start wrapping things up uh, we did learn that the next Fantasy Star Online 2 New Genesis update will be in June, which will add the third region to the game, which is the ice-themed Kvaris region. So as someone who still kind of plays this game and still pokes at it from time to time, this is sort of interesting. And they they have recently updated to add like more weapon arts and more more techniques, which is this 
series version of spells. So there's finally like adding a little bit of like build craft and variety to it. So I don't know, like, I don't think then the second region that they added back in December really shook up the game that much. So I'm not, I don't really have high hopes for this third region, but it, it they are kind of, will, will you let me know if it's time to start the game? If the third region is like significant, um, they're adding, they're enough? adding something that like later in April, that is kind of basically like some sort of four man dungeon. Uh, they call it like a, some like a, a something expedition. I don't remember what it was. Uh, they were also adding like some, quality of life improvements and in terms of like being able to access shops with items from your storage and things like that Uh, so it's it's better than it was i wouldn't i wouldn't say you should start it now in preparation for this update but yeah i'll I'll, I'll let you know if like once this updates out if it finally feels like the game has some meat on it because right now it still feels kind of threadbare to me I, I hate to just announce this and be like, yeah, just wait. But I don't know. I do think that the Redum, the second region, was a step in the right direction. Let's see if this is like finally a good landing point or if it's just another step in the right direction. It's it's hard to tell based on the preview footage. And that'll be in, I forget if I said, that'll be in June. Uh, we got a release date for the Story of Seasons Pioneers of Olive Town port for PlayStation 4. It will release this, well, not even a release date. I'm sorry. We'll just know that it will release in summer for PlayStation 4. It released uh, previously on Switch and PC last year in 2021. It has a Japanese date of July 28th, so Uh, probably shortly after that. You know, I was just wondering, you know, uh, was it Story Season has like some very huge performance issues in the Switch version that was patched up later on. I just wonder uh, how, how would this game with fair because I, I just noticed like when i was playing rune factory 5 is like these performance issue it doesn't seem like a standalone thing just with that game it's it's also a story of seasons so i wonder if it's gonna suffer the same hiccups well it's already out on switch but i this game i know um some people were like disappointed at its original release and then it got some like free updates and then also like the expansion pass adds more like content and stuff to the game now i guess in japan this this like ps4 version it will come bundled with the expansion pass but in the west it does not but it's also cheaper um because it doesn't so yeah. it feels like it's one of those things where you almost want to get the expansion pass because of like the content it adds is i guess more than just extraneous extra stuff it's actually like very like useful things i'm not i'm not big on these sorts of games so i can't really speak to it much more than that but i just remember hearing that the expansion pass actually makes the game considerably better than what it what it is without it yeah i know someone that was a big fan of this uh game uh despite the egregious performance issues on switch um he definitely says to play it on pc hopefully this ps4 version is good so uh, there's another version that uh, folks can recommend because it does sound like, uh, especially with the expansion, that this is one of the better Story uh, um, of Seasons games. We got a release date for Brigadine. It is releasing on PC on May 11th. It originally released as a Switch exclusive last year and then released on PlayStation 4 um, back in December. So now it'll hit uh, two PC. years ago. Actually, two, two, yeah. has it really been that and, long? I remember playing the demo for this, uh, for the Switch version. Damn, and to, and to be clear, this has this is like the legendary Nerja, like new Brigadine game. Yeah, I, Chow liked this game, right? Yeah, I do. That's great. The, the original, though, or the remake? 
No, the remake. The only yeah. thing that oh. I would probably would like knock some points off is probably like like combat kind of sometimes wears you out, especially when the AI sees that you're kind of vulnerable to keep trying to attack you nonstop, and it just kind of wears you out, right? And that's probably like my only beef with it because sometimes the battles aren't aren't really fast paced. It kind of takes a while to get through them, especially like how tanky some things are. And the game's really punishing as well. So if you lose something, it's like it takes forever to get it back. So try not to like lose something, you know. What do you think about the new additions that's coming to this PC version? Did you did you uh, look at those? Um, I think it looks like the exact same game. It's just on no, PC. Like it, it says like the new modes are like, it includes a creative mode that unlocks after clearing the main mode and that uh, you can pick like your preferred power balance and starting nights and play without a time limit. Oh, uh, that's interesting. But I don't They're know. Like I, a new I, game plus. I'm not like a, I'm not like a big fan of like self-creating things, you know? Like in most games, like if there's like a mode where you had to click create your own levels, I never touched that kind of feature. All right. How, how about a new game plus feature to load your cleared game save data and start a new game with items carried over and battle map HP display for units? Fucking destroy everybody. <laughs> oh, there, you there, go. There, there is one kingdom that's kind of like that. There is one kingdom that has like literally no military power. It was like so weak to start. But the thing is, they have like a. Was it? They have one tactical advantage. They're in like in the middle of the mountains in nowhere, so there's oh, like hard to get to them. Yeah, it's hard to get to them. So there's no, they don't have many enemies. While like if you're playing like this one side, you're basically have like the strongest power, but you're like enemies of everybody. So you're like right in the center of everything. That's sick. I want like I want like I want to try this now. That it's coming to PC now. I remember when I played the demo, which I still can't believe it was two years ago, not last year. Damn. So it okay, goes. I'm flies. I- yeah, so I, I remember thinking it was really interesting, but I just never made time for it because it seems like a sort of game that just has like a long run time because, like you said, the battles are slow, especially if you play as like all what, six kingdoms. I, I wouldn't do that, but maybe with a new game plus, that would be more something that would be more palatable. I thought, from what I played from the demo, I thought it was really interesting, just never made time for it. PC would probably be the place where I'd be most likely to to do that. So yeah, it's uh, going to be releasing on May 11th for, for Steam. How, how long is like an average playthrough of this game, John? I think about... 30 to 40 hours, depending on how good you are at the game. I mean, yeah, what if I suck? Yeah, what if we're terrible? Well, there's an easy mode. Well, you can always oh, no, use no, easy no, mode. no, 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 hell no. All right, PC, I mean, you can use a trainer and I mean, Google <laughs> it. You, I'm sure you could figure something out. I'll be maybe if you like skip everything, I think it will still take about 15 to 20. I think if you're like skipping the cutscenes and fast forwarding all the time, maybe I, I don't know. <laughs> But it's a it's a pretty beefy playthrough. I mean, you know, we have another PC uh, port that got a really state announcement, and that is Demon Gaze Extra will launch for PC on April twenty sixth. So it previously released uh, for PlayStation Four and Nintendo Switch uh, just in January. So I think Adam was talking about how he had heard good things specifically about the Demon Gaze Extra version of the game. Does this make you more think, interested? I don't in think trying? extra. I don't think extra adds a lot. It adds, I guess it adds like a little bit like faster motion, which is probably worth it. And like on one extra class, but it's, it's, it's pretty much just a port of demon gaze with just like a few additions. Hence the extra. Um, I played the original demon gaze on Vita. It's okay. It's not my favorite um, experience RPG. Uh, I feel like it has some balancing issues and some other like problems. It's also very, Horny, um, how kind of weird in places. 
it, it, it gets kind of awkward. Like one of the characters, their whole character gimmick is that they are obsessed with underwear. It's just, you know, that's the type of game it is. Uh, it does have some interesting, like, ideas mechanically that I don't think any other game I've seen it do. So the main conceit to Demon Gaze's battles is that you have your normal team of like four or five player created characters who are, you know, a certain class, very typical in these sorts of games. You know, you have like your ranged units, your up up front tanks and your spellcasters in like a dungeon crawling RPG. But then you also get, this is what's unique about Demon Gaze is you get like a demon who is kind of operating alongside you but they're kind of working on their own. You don't really have any control over them. So it's sort of like a tertiary party member. You like summon one of the demons who's most valuable is Mars because they do a lot of damage, but they just kind of act on their own. You can you kind of want to rely on them, but you can't because you don't know what they're going to do. Uh, so you kind of have your party that obviously you have 100% full control over, and then you kind of have like this demon that just does what they want. So it's kind of an interesting like wrinkle. but. It's it's kind of interesting that it took this long for this game to come to PC because a lot of the other experience games either came immediately or or eventually like shortly after their console Xbox whatever release they had. This was a Vita game in like 2013, so it took like almost 10 years. Yeah, for and the ripple of this release. extra release because like it released in like overseas like in January I think like the English version. Yeah, not console. not that long ago. Yeah, yeah, but this like this is now like under like Platinum Leopard Entertainment and Katakawa Games. Yep. Uh, the big one, so this will probably this probably means that maybe Relayer will come to PC in a few months, hopefully this year. I can imagine. Yeah, maybe. And one of the uh, we we might have one or two more pieces of news depending on how many topics we go into. But the last listed thing here that we have is uh, late last year in like well maybe not late last year last August we talked about a new Shining Force game that was announced and had a had a trailer shortly thereafter for Shining Force Heroes of Light and Darkness it was a Shining Force game planned for mobile devices set for a worldwide release this year at some point but since the announcement in August it's been pretty quiet and now some sources according to Touch Arcade citing some Korean sources uh, based on a shareholders meeting held in March it seems like Shining Force Heroes of Light and Darkness is ceasing any development work. So within a year, we were getting in the announcement of a new Shining Force game, wrestling with the fact that it might have been a mobile-only game, which some people would have been turned off by. And now it seems like it is no longer in development, citing high development costs. So it was good to know you and have a glimmer of hope for a return of the Shining Force series. But it seems like as of right now, the new title in it has been canceled. That's yeah, a shame. No, that that it looked it looked kind of neat. It was we- it looked weird, but it looked kind of neat as well. Does that like uh, it was obviously your strategy grid based um, system, but then like during battle seasons, you go to like the isometric um, facing off of your opponent to do your battle animation. Um, yeah, that that sucks. But there are yeah. some amusing responses to our tweet about this, where some people didn't know that this, this yep. game existed at all, mm-hmm. and they're like, "I learned that this game existed and was canceled in the same tweet." Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It, it 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 be like that, man. I mean, technically, the game didn't exist and never had a chance to. <laughs> yeah, and it had, it had an art style that almost looked like a weird mix between like eighties anime and like Cal Arts. American style. <laughs> it had an art style that I know that some people Very really enjoy. Yeah. yeah. But 
Well, I mean, as someone who has not played a Shining Force game, like I don't feel too much of a sting on this, nor did I feel any particular way about the initial announcement. But it does kind of just stink whenever a game is canceled because, you know, all that work that the it, it, put it's, into it. It stings, it stings because you saw, like, footage of the game already. You know what it looked like. Mm. <laughs> and it's like, oh, and and if you thought it looked cool, well, you know. Too bad. Yeah. Just the realities of game development. They're not, they're not cheap to make, even mobile ones. And the last bit here is uh, I do know, and I, I actually I won't say I know. I've seen discussion about new magazine information about the upcoming Kuro no Kiseki Two Crimson something. I forget what the subtitle is. As you can see, Crimson I'm not the one. <laughs> Crimson Sin. Uh, I have been trying to keep up with the series with the English releases, so I, obviously I am naturally at a disadvantage when it comes to being excited for whenever Kuro will make its way stateside and already looking at Kuro 2 information ahead of its release. So I guess I'll just hand it off to either... I'll, I'll, do, I'll do James, and then I'm sure Josh will chime in as well. Maybe even Chow. I know all three of you have been are further along in this series than I am, but without with threading the needle about not wanting to spoil the events of Kuro 1. What have we seen about the release information about Kuro 2 uh, in the last week? The good news about uh, Kuro 2's like, premise is it doesn't really spoil really anything about Kuro 1, which is good. That's good. Which is good. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, basically, the things that we have seen is that uh, between the new trailer, the new gameplay, and uh, all of the information that they've shared, it seems like... Um, the stuff that they showed off earlier that made it seem like uh, uh, Van and Wayne would be the two main like protagonists for Kuro 2 seems to be like keeping up, which is really, fa- really interesting. And I'm really happy about that. Uh, but yeah, um, that's cool. They showed some new gameplay changes for the on uh, field uh, action combat. There's uh, now like quick arts that you can do that seem to be on a cooldown. Uh, nothing else they've shown that's really different about it, but there does seem to be like new chain EX attacks or something. I, I guess, like, to, to, to back it up, like, for people who don't know, like, uh, Kuro 1 had like this hybrid battle system where you can like switch between real time action and turn based uh, modes on the fly. That's uh, that's one of the primary reasons why Falcom decided to make their own engine was to support this kind of system. And surprisingly, it like it worked pretty well in the first one. It was like it was still rudimentary, like, it wasn't like super refined but like it was it worked it worked pretty well and in this one like but in the first one you can only do like basic like attack chains uh in the in the real time mode so like there wasn't really much dy- dynamic actions you can do uh in that so you do like uh like basic combo chains do- dodge roll and then like you know once you get uh enemy to a certain point you can switch into turn base and like sweep them up real fast and like in Kuro 2 like you can do more actions in that real time mode where like as James mentioned, like you have quick access, like abilities now uh, that uh, look like they they flow really well. They showed like some gameplay footage in the uh, the Geki online stream uh, for the game, and like they it looks way smoother in this game uh, in between those transitions. And, and this, this might be a really dumb question, but it's still it's still yeah. primarily turn based, right? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Because because boss battles have to be turn based uh, in the game. You you can't do boss battles in real time. So it mm. is still primarily a turn based game. But the real time action to it like helps like 
navigating fields feel a lot more smooth so like you, you can sweep up like small mobs really fast uh taking advantage of the of those systems in tandem so josh did you watch the uh gameplay footage yeah yeah uh, so honestly the biggest change is that uh high speed mode's back yeah I remember did did the did Kuro one get patched to have a turbo mode? I already forgot. No. Okay. No. It was only 60 FPS that they really introduced. Uh it's 60 yeah. FPS and skip uh skipping uh, skip animation, yeah. <laughs> God damn it. I forgot they had but that. Yeah. It yeah. seems pretty clear that the footage they showed was from the PS5 version because mm-hmm. the lighting and shadows seem to be improved. Um yeah. And obviously, while it's nowhere near a triple-A release, it does look nice and clean, especially with the new footage. So I'm pretty excited to see how. Yeah, that the new, the new graphical engine does a lot of like heavy lifting. Like it, it, it is looking better and better. Um, yep. in, their, in its own way, fishing is back uh, in a big way. Uh, thank s- God. It, Can't it, have it, a trails it, game without fishing. Ah, uh, sorry, dude. Don't play Kuro One then. Oh my God, worst game ever. <laughs> Don't play Kuro One then. <laughs> They, they 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 spent a lot of time and resources into their graphical engine at the cost of like side content in that game. So there's like not like there's some but not a lot. But they're they're not building that out now that they have like the the engine in place. So you know, uh, and yeah, like I, I think the most fascinating part about this, as James alluded to, is that Elaine was a more of a side character in the first one. That definitely. Um, I'd say, I'd say that like she was treated more like marketed and treated more as a side character in the first one. Like when they were introducing the game, obviously how it manifested in the game, it felt like because of like the circumstances they were narratively, like she was sometimes a party member, but really wasn't. While in this one, she's more, she's definitely a full playable party member. looks to be with you uh, at all times now. And like, because of the premise of the game, like, it makes sense. Yeah, it made sense. And now it's really, really fascinating that like Van and Elaine are like working more together as like as a duo. Like they team, they seem to be like more in tandem. And like that's the kind of like the best part of like Kuro, in my opinion. It's like when uh, Van and Elaine were like together, and like Elaine and Agnes's interactions are like great at teasing Van. Yeah, it's like. I don't want to get excited for this because of Falcom. But you're thinking the same thing where it's like, are they going to, are they going to go for it? Mm -hmm. Because Kuro one doesn't have any relationships, but, and this is a minor, minor spoiler for Kuro. It really doesn't matter for folks. Yeah. Van and Elaine are exes. Mm -hmm. They were dating in high school. So it's like, it's, are they going to go that route? I hope so. Cause it's like, especially since they're, uh, um, going with this, uh, like, direction. Like, 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 they have, like, they have weird history because they were exes and they had, like, and they, they were really close, but, you know, because of the uh, the narrative, like, Van, Van kind of, like, fucks off for, like, a, a good amount of time and yeah. uh, unceremoniously. Certainly um, more, that's certainly preferable to Cold Steel, just Reen and any other girl. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, and I, I don't, I, I hope they don't go for, like, Van either chooses Elaine or Agnes. I don't think that would be a, a great move. I think sticking to like one like canonical relationship because like the narrative like builds up to it in a natural way is the right way to go uh instead of like how how uh you know how nokiseki and cold steel uh yeah they should just get rid of the harem it's not there's still there's still a chance though that they go for the harem stuff because you got obviously judith and uh shizuna but at least 
at least those two are adults. So yeah, uh, but I I hope they don't really, because Van is so so suited not to have it. You know, he's that's not his personality. Yeah, at all. Um, As someone who he, hasn't played Kuro One, I like the idea of having like showing. Uh, a working relationship between two people who are exes and not just being like, oh, they get back together because that's the happy ending oh. rather than just being like, no, like, the they're still really awkward. Yeah, they're still really awkward about because they still don't know how to like exactly like process like what happened. Um, you know, yeah, because the whole reason like everything that happened was explicitly like Van cutting it off. So it's, yeah. it's, 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 a, it's a really fascinating thing on the writing side. On that, yeah, and, I, I just like the idea. Is I think it's just more interesting on paper to have that X dynamic and having them work through that and have it be a little awkward rather than just be like, "Will they? Won't they? Yes, they will," because fan service or or whatever. I don't know. Yeah. So, yeah, it's uh, I'm a James like because of past Falcom stuff. It's I, I I'm trying my stuff, my best not to be excited, but at the same time, I'm really, really, really looking forward to to yeah, because like <laughs> the actual writing of Kuro, like, there's, like, the standard Falcom issue where there's, like, oh, they're saying the same thing too many times. It's, like, it's very repetitive dialogue, but on the same <laughs> token... Kuro has, like, really of... cool shit, because Kuro yeah. has a legit, like, a parental issues arc in that th- narrative. It's yeah, and it's crazy. got, like, it's got, like, legitimately, like, really strong themes to it, which I think the series has kind of struggled with. It's like yeah. really, really good. I, oh, I feel I'm mad so, because I'm so we sorry. Talking, we keep talking about this, and then people will be, will be able to experience it until like God 2024, like at least what, a few what years is, from now. So, what is the theme? Not to, this is a tangent, but what is the it's theme a, it's a, of? It's a, no, I was going to ask, what is the theme of Cold Steel? It, to me, it seems like having not played Cold Steel 4. But like curse. it seems like there are no bad people. There are only bad. People. Oh, okay. Like, <laughs> like, like, are you talking about like overall like narrative themes or like like Reen's like theme, like like character like theme? Because the, uh, that's the I'd say that Reen has a theme, and I'd say that it it definitely is better by the end of Hajimari, but it takes five games to yeah, get there. Yeah, but, but, uh, but the, the, like if you're talking like overall narrative theme to Cold Steel, like that's way less. I got nothing. <laughs> I got yeah. nothing. There yeah. are no bad people. There are only. There's only goop. It's, it's, uh, of course, is the theme. There, there's your, there's your theme. But yeah. like, in terms of like, I can understand like why people. I, I don't agree with it, but I can understand why people can sort of like like Reen as a character because see, like he kind of has like this weird internal struggle of like finding his own way, and like it takes way too long to like ever reach a resolution, a firm resolution to that. I'd but, say that he's a decent character by the end of the arc. It just takes yeah, a long time to get there. Yeah. 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 But it's just, but in terms of like overall world narrative theme, uh, Kuro is so much more interesting just from the yeah. game. Well, it sounds like even Hajimari is. Yeah. yeah, Hajimari has some interesting stuff. Oh, but... that reminds me. I- I'm not going to say anything more of this, but we see a returning Hajimari character in the scans too. For yeah. Kuro too. And, and, yeah. And, like, and, and them showing up has a lot of implications of who else might show up. Because yeah. the, 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 were... the third character never ever like is separated from another character from Hajimari that's introduced. Yeah, and it's like there were certain characters that were alluded to in Kuro that we don't see like specifically, but it's like it's like oh, interesting. Yeah, fuck oh, man. So that like you know the, now we're getting to the point where you need to have played Hajimari to understand Kuro too. Now, oh no, the thing is though is that 
like Hajimari already was kind of yeah. not really required, but really, really uh fundamental. Like 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 Kuro one, like if you just wanted to like take a t- dip your feet in the series for the first time, like and and, and like make the concession that like okay, there'll be a lot of stuff that like I don't get like returning characters or their histories, but like take it as like a standalone JRPG experience. Oh that yeah, them, like it's it's fine, but now like we're going to Kuro two, and now it's going to like okay, this is now you're now yeah. more of the 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 back catalog into it. Well, the one thing I've always said is that while you can definitely have Kuro as your first and you'll have a great time, if you've played any Trails games, you need to have played all of them before you start Kuro because it is really heavily tied to Hajimari in ways that I was surprised about. Yeah, and I'm sure also like if. If returning Hajimari character, because this, this person also like is central to C's route, I imagine C might show up in Kuro too, and like you need to have no C by then. Like, yeah, <laughs> there's no, there's no way they're gonna keep up the facade in this game. It, it, it's at the point where it's like, I'm sorry, uh, people that are trying to get in the trails, uh, it's terminal. It's salute. <laughs> Do you think we'll ever get comfortable or used to saying into reverie? Instead of Hajimari, what um, uh, it comes out like? Yeah, yeah it's, play, yeah, play it's just more. It's just I'm so used to saying Hajimari at this yep. point. Yeah. I've not played it, and I'm used to saying Hajimari. I mean, I still know there's people that call Cold Steel Zen. So. Then yeah, yeah, I, so I still call it with some circles, and then like, and then like, I I, I think the, the one exception is I'll I'll never like get comfortable to say Trails into Azure over Aonukaseki. And there's yeah, also a group I'll, I'll of say I know call it GB. I don't know why they call it GB. Or what? For Cold Steel, they call it GB. I don't know. What... It's 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 a it's a joke. You, oh. you, I can explain to to you later. Well, that's all the news that we had for this week. So not that much. Just a backlog crunching month, and obviously the the release of Chrono Cross being a major discussion point. So we will continue with that sort of mindset as we go through the month of April. And lots of stuff that we have talked about over the last couple podcasts that have been filling out the the summer and early autumn months as we head through these uh, these more quiet times as we start to look at some of the games in our backlog and maybe uh, maybe I'll play Cold Steel Four and report back at some point in May. Who knows? Alluding for you, Brian. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> and then Adam will have to and then Adam will have to play that uh, that typing abuse game and do the same thing. What's the typing of Trails game, dude? I'm down. Yeah. Just leaving money on the table. I know. Type ha ha. Have the easy mode being that you type the characters' names, and then the hard mode is you have to type their titles. No, dude. Oh. The, the easy mode. The easy mode just t- typing ha ha a lot of times. Well, all the news that we talked about on this podcast, we can find at rpgsite.net, as well as the two reviews that we opened the podcast with. The uh, 13 Sentinels Aegis Rim. I don't know why it took me so much effort to get that out. The 13 Sentinels Aegis Rim Switch review is up on the site, thanks to Nathan, as well as the Chrono Cross Radical Dreamers Edition review up on the site, thanks to Cullen, uh, as well as a couple guides that have gone up on the site for those and the one feature about the Chrono Trigger Chrono Cross uh, connection point that was put up on the site. You can find us on all the social media channels on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube. You can join our Discord at discord.gg slash RPG site or hitting the link at the top of our homepage. 
And we will be back next week with another edition of this TetraCast. So thank you so much for listening. If you've made it all the, way, all the way to the end, we love hearing any comments or feedbacks that you have for us, whether on the comments of the uh, TetraCast post on the site or even on the YouTube video, if you're watching that way. But until you hear from us next time, stay safe, take care, stay cool, and we'll talk to you then. We're so sorry, Charles fans. All right, time for the anime podcast.